following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host for today, the Mr. Wonderful Cannonball, Alex Steele, the one and only Cannonball. How are you doing today? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great, Scotty. You know, I'm ready to tackle yet another episode. Uh, you, once again, we find ourselves on Tyler time, but uh, don't worry. You know, uh, I'm here to I'm here to pick up the scraps, so to speak. Yeah, yeah the uh, the 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 tenacious titillating Tyler Dean once again missing because of one of his 800 vacations and uh we are back uh large and in charge and with uh Mr. Alex Steele filling in for week 2 in the NFL we've got a recap week 1 what a crazy week crazy week yeah. 1 that's an understatement. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. remember when we said Russell Wilson was going to beat the Seahawks over the head with a steel chair? Uh, that did not happen. Lots and lots of upsets. Lots of last-minute field goals for wins. I mean, teams did not look like they were ready for week one. There were there were just a lot of problems uh, as it pertains to, to uh, uh, most teams out there. So we're, we're going to be jumping in here. Uh, with the scores around the league. Um, Alex, you ready to jump right into this thing? Let's do it. All right, cool. Week one of the NFL. Starting out with Thursday night football, we had the Bills and the Rams. Uh, the Bills go out and dominate the Rams uh, in very decisive fashion. We said that this was going to be a really great game. Bills win 31-10. to 10. Just a spanking. Matt Stafford and that Rams offense they looked so uninspired. I was watching this one with uh, bated breath because I wanted to see what exactly was going to come of that Rams offense with Kevin O'Connell moving over to the Vikings because it was going to tell me everything that I needed to know about the Vikings' upcoming season. And sure enough, my my dreams were realized because the Rams' offense looked terrible without Kevin O'Connell running it. And the Rams looked uninspired. It, it was a poor performance all around. But most notably, Matt Stafford with his three-interception performance. It was just a bad day for the Rams. And the one other notable thing is Cam Akers, man. Like, the guy was non-existent on the field. Daryl Henderson takes over the bulk of the carries, which makes no sense. Uh, Reportedly, it's because Sean McVay was upset with Cam Akers because Cam Akers was not doing his uh, due diligence on blocking downs, from what I understand. And then on top of that, they went out and picked up Allen Robinson in the offseason. He ran 46 routes on the day and had two, a whopping two targets. Uh, Just a a rough performance for the Rams. Alex, what do you make of the Rams at this point? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, At this point, it's definitely, uh, you know, a a wake-up call for Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, and the Rams. Uh, They really got to get things together, but... Um, I also throw this out. Uh, Josh Allen was absolutely show-stopping. Oh yeah. So, so you know, you can't fault the Rams completely for this for this breakdown. Josh Allen ripped apart that Rams defense, and you know he ran himself in for a touchdown, 
You know, he was throwing the ball all over the place. Stefan Diggs had a night burning Jalen Ramsey all night. The Buffalo Bills are quite possibly, from this week one performance, the best team in the NFL right now, if not one of the, if not one of the best. Yep, Jalen Ramsey, uh, that, and that's worth noting, Jalen Ramsey gave up one, almost a perfect passer rating in that game uh, to Stefan Diggs. And then on top of it, you know, one, one of those unsung heroes of that Buffalo Bills team, we got to talk about him, is Gabe Davis. Gabriel Davis, uh, he caught a touchdown pass in that game on a nice, sweet little bootleg. Uh, a really nice play action, and man, they, it was just a straight-up blown coverage. Gabe Davis was just trotting down the field untouched. I mean, they, they had nobody around him for five yards, uh, and, and, you know, Josh Allen just tosses a dime up there, gets the touchdown. I mean, the Bills, you are right. I think they're the best-looking team in the AFC right now. Um, I'm not so sure about the entire NFL just yet. I mean, it is still week one. But the Bills look dangerous, absolutely dangerous. Um, and, and It's risky business going up against them, Daddy. Absolutely. I think you're going to see the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, I was, I was saying earlier this year, the Bills are looking like Super Bowl contenders this season, and that's what I expect. And here we are with the Bills with a 31-10 victory over the reigning Super Bowl champions. It, it's going to be something to behold here uh, if the Buffalo Bills continue this reign of terror uh, moving forward. Uh, next up, we got the Eagles winning against the Lions 38-35. Now, folks, I just want to point this out. The Eagles beat the Lions 38-35, uh, to but it was not as close as this score dictates. The Eagles were dominating this football game. Now, now one thing I want to point out here, and, and it it's pertaining to, to you, Alex. I was listening. We, we've got a group chat amongst all of our buddies. Yep. Of all of our fantasy football guys. And you guys were in that group chat going, oh, man, look at the Lions. They're coming out swinging. And, oh, man, the Lions offense looks so good. And, oh, my gosh, it looks amazing. Now, I wasn't watching the Lions game. No, so and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I wasn't watching this Lions game. And judging by what I was reading in that group chat, just judge it, basing, basing it on that. Not been, not knowing the score at the time, anything like that. Just basing it on what I was hearing in that group chat. I thought the Lions were just kicking the absolute horseshit out of the Eagles. Just stomping the bird dung out of them. And here we go, like, I flipped the channel. It's fucking halftime. And the Lions are losing 24-14. Well, you guys are talking about how they're coming out swinging. I don't understand this, and somebody has to be in on what the hell we're talking about here. Okay, <laughs> I have, I've had uh, I've had six days to digest uh, what's happened, and I did watch the Lions game. Yeah, and I I will say that uh, you know the Lions look a little better on offense this year than they did last year. Absolutely, D- Dan Campbell absolutely has put together you know a good. Uh, he's 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 doing a good job to start with. Our defense is absolutely non-existent. We already know this, but um, <laughs> we were probably drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. We, uh, we were just we were we were like you know feeding off the crowd, the sold-out crowd, and you know oh we were all high on the whole uh, you know not you know, hard knocks thing. And you know, listen, this was a harsh slap in the face 
for Lions fans, paying all that money to see the Lions drop a deuce in the middle of Ford Field. I've had six days to process this, like you said, and you know, and we were, and I, I was, I was posting in the group chat, you know, earlier today or even on Friday, that you know, it's like okay, it, it's it, it absolutely is a fact that this Lions team is a little bit better than last year, but yeah. that's like saying. Um, they only they only did you know they only committed you know 15 mistakes as opposed to 30 mistakes right you know so it, this team still needs a lot of work and you know but the fact of the matter is you know they go up against Washington next week you know, on Sunday and the, the Bob actually had the idea to give them the be to make them one and a half point favorites against the Washington commanders um, I'm gonna say this right now. I want this to go on record that if the Lions do not win on Sunday against the Commanders, it's all on Detroit. You, you know, you, you did mention that, you know, Carson Wentz is starting to pick up a little bit. You know, I, I don't I don't discount Carson Wentz's play. You know, yes, he's been hurt a lot of time, almost every time he stepped on the field. But the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, I think I think it's time for Lions fans, especially myself, to realize that you know all the goodwill in the world all the hugs and all the you know feel good stuff you know in the background doesn't amount to anything if the lions don't win exactly. and you know it's like <laughs> mike valenti made some made a very interesting uh uh comment uh that i you know i think i don't want to live in the village of fearic victories or i don't want to live in the village of uh, i don't know what he said exactly but we cannot be, you know, you would be you would be high as a kite to expect this team to be world beaters. They are not. Let's get that straight. But, but, his, but his point is, he doesn't want to live in the, the, the land of moral victories. But yes, that's what he okay, said. But we want to. We don't want to live in. Okay, great. You got a moral victory. But if it, you know, we always talk about, um, you know, Super Bowls around here. You, you and I, we, we talk about league, even hell, even in our, our fantasy league. We talk about unless you win the last game of the year, nobody gives a shit. You know that's that's the old you know Moneyball Billy Bean saying, and uh, you know it 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 comes down to it the the, uh, the the Lions went out there and did they have a good showing late? Did they they start coming from behind? Sure, the Eagles were practically handing them points by playing you know a, a deep zone look of a lot of prevent defense. They didn't have to come up and play this super aggressive defense at the end of that football game. The the Lions basically handed them the, the keys by the end of the third quarter. Well, well, there was the onside kick that uh, makes absolutely zero sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that's a coaching snafu. That's not on the boys. So somebody thought it was a good idea to try to do an onside kick in the middle of the third quarter right. and give the Eagles perfect picture, perfect field, field position. Right. That's uh, dumb. Opinion. My point is, is that you know the Eagles uh, basically had this game wrapped up, and and you know like the Lions really started coming back, and they wound up putting up 35. Here's the thing about that: what did I say about the Detroit Lions going into this season? And, and we had talked about this, you and me and Tyler and and everybody, we had all talked about this. The yep. Lions are going to have to outscore teams by 35 points or more in order to win a football game. And, and that's just what it's going to be. And, and today they, they scored 35, but their defense gave up 38 that day. You know, that's, that's just what it is. The Lions offense is not a bad offense. Nope. And DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, proved that. But 
their their defense is so bad, and and they really have had done very little to to build up that defense. They got Aiden Hutchinson, great, good for them, but they didn't do a lot to truly build that defense um, over in the, in the offseason. They really did, and and their offense they built it up beautifully. They had this this really great offense with some really solid receivers, and they went out and got. Jamison Williams, who didn't play in this game, but, you know, he's going to be a great addition. Do I really think the Detroit Lions are on the right track? Yes, I do. Do I think the Detroit Lions really need to fix that defense in order to to completely turn that team around? Yes, I do. It's one of those desperate needs that they have. They need another defensive end. They need more linebackers. They need better corners. Uh, um, They they have one good corner on that team right now. Uh, They need a safety. I mean, they're in need of some stuff, and and I don't think they did anything to address that in the offseason. If you look at their offense, they they really did address a lot of those things. So I got questions about the Lions. I understand they're going younger. Um, The Eagles wind up beating them here. I like the Eagles. Um, I don't think that after this game, the Eagles look like Super Bowl contenders. I think it looks like uh, a little... um, too early, too early to tell. Way too early yeah. to tell. Cause you played the Detroit Lions. They're a little rough around the edges. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. Uh, so the Eagles wind up uh, pulling the win over the Lions. We're gonna see how the Eagles do this week against a much more difficult team uh, in the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll get to the Vikings momentarily. Uh, next up, I mean, a, a game in a swamp. Uh, the Bears versus the Niners. Uh, Bears beat the Niners 19 to 10. Most of us took the Niners in this game. Uh, you know, this game was horrible. Uh, both quarterbacks sucked. The defenses were very good. The field was absolutely flooded down in Soldier Field. Uh, there was like a, a, an absolute monsoon going on down there. And, uh, you know, just some interesting headlines here. And a lot of folks that believe in Trey Lance, I'm just going to call out <coughs> Tyler, you believe yeah. Trey Lance. Trey Lance made you look like an asshole this past week because he looked like shit. And we're going to wind up talking about him. You know, 13 13 of 28 for only 164 yards and a touchdown. He had a QBR rating of 42.7. Yes. Equally as bad was busting Justin Fields. Now, look, I understand that he had two touchdowns on the day. First of all, I'm going to make this abundantly clear. Justin Fields did not complete a pass to a wide receiver or a tight end until the end of the third quarter. Yeah. Let me just make that clear. He and his two touchdown passes were lucky bombs. He was a lucky turd in this game to walk out with that victory. And people are going to sit there and all these Ohio State flunkies and then no. uh, uh, slap dicks are going to go, oh, Justin Fields, look how good he looked. No, he no. looked like shit. And that Bears team looked like shit. The Niners defense looked tremendous in this game but Trey Lance was so bad he gave up so many opportunities additionally Elijah Moore goes down in this game after just 41 yards he had six rushes on the day look the Niners need to quit being so uh, uh, cutesy tootsy with their offense right now when you have these great running backs and I mean Elijah Moore Elijah Mitchell rather great running back and even though he got hurt in this game, I believe that Elijah Mitchell could have been far more productive in this game than he was. And the 49ers are busy handing the ball off to all their fucking receivers across the board. They're handing it off to Ayuk. They're handing it off to Debo. Look, stop with the cutesy tootsie bullshit and throw the fucking ball to your receivers. 
And if Trey Lance can't get it done, for Christ's sake, get Garoppolo back in the game. But they're asking for Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to get hurt doing all this nonsense. I think it's fucking ridiculous. The Niners need to cut it out. People are onto that shit. People are onto this whole handing off the receivers thing. And I don't think anybody's buying it anymore. Nobody's selling out to stop that shit. Or, or everybody's selling out to stop that shit. Nobody is just letting it happen like they did last year. And and I don't understand why they keep doing it. It's so obnoxious. I hate it. Uh, Alex, what do you think about this Niners team? I mean, I did get a ch- I did not get a chance to watch the game, but I mean, just just by looking at the stat line and the fact that they only were able to put up ten points against quite possibly, you know a crappy Bears offense led by a crappy quarterback pretty much tells all the story you need. It's like the, the San Francisco team that stepped on the Soldier Field was not uh, the Niners that went to an NFC Championship game and went to a Super Bowl uh, several years ago. This is a way different team. And as you said, Trey Lance is not cutting the mustard. He's not. And uh, I, I don't think the Niners are going to be sticking with Trey Lance very long. I believe that they're going to move on with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, coming back in the fold sooner rather than later. Uh, next up, we got the Steelers and the Bengals. Steelers eke one out against the Bengals. A very fun game to watch. McPherson misses a field goal. Uh, I mean, Boswell kicks a game winner for the Steelers. This game was fun to watch. That Steelers defense was on point, and they made Joe Burrow, they rattled him. They made him look confused and lost. Four picks on the tape for old Joe Burrow. Joe Cool did yeah. not look so cool in this game. I, I have, uh, yeah, I got a lot of questions about this Bengals team right now and the decision making of Joe, one Joe Burrow. Uh, let's also keep in mind T. Higgins was not on the field in this game. Uh, what do you think about this Steelers team? I mean, they, they, I'm not a big fan of the stuff that Trubisky was doing and the stuff that he he accomplished in this game, sort of. But uh, And I would love to see Kenny Pickett out there. I think that Steelers team becomes 10 times more volatile. Uh, Are they contenders? I am not 100% sure about that. I mean, granted, they caught the Bengals with their pants down. You know, and Joe Burrow probably just had a bad day at the office. This is is a little bit different from the Lions here. Uh, I think the Bengals, you know, will will have, have the talent and pool and uh, the wherewithal to regroup. Um, I mean, I'm not writing them off, but uh, you, you can't you can't look at you cannot throw four picks in a game and expect to win. You can't. Um, the the defense does look pretty solid. I mean, th- that steel curtain is showing up a little bit. You know, seven sacks on the day, nine tackles for a loss, uh, eleven hits on the quarterback. They even scored a touchdown. So, you know, the the Steelers' defense is you know it came back to it came back today. It came back this past Sunday, rather. Uh, are they contenders? You know, I, I'd like to. I'd like to see them win a couple of games, in you know, not dominating fashion, but respectful fashion. You know, show show me that this wasn't just a one-trick pony against a, a guy that was sick on the couch, so to speak. But you know, there's the, it's a step in the right direction. And yes, you know, you got lucky that McPherson missed a field goal. I mean, that's how you got to overtime, and how you were able to sneak past them and everything. Um, you know, show me what else you can do. I think I I, I do think Mitch, without Mr. Mitchell Trubisky, the Steelers become way better if they were to put Kenny Pickett Agreed. in. I mean, look at Mitchell Trubisky, twenty-one for thirty-eight, one ninety-four, and a touchdown. I mean, it wasn't you know these weren't numbers to write home about. 
Trubisky yep. like Trubisky usually does. Very yep. less than mediocre numbers. It was just a questionable day. I do think that the Bengals kind of shot themselves in the foot a lot in this situation uh, with the four picks. But it is what it is. Uh, the Steelers get it done. <clears throat> We're going to see if the Bengals can turn it all around. But the defending AFC champions do not look very good at the moment. Uh, next up, the Dolphins go out and beat the Patriots 20-7. to uh, Man, Mac Jones goes out, hurt, hurts his back in the game, uh, leaves the game. Uh, but we, we did get some... Uh, we did get some uh, love from old Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They look strong in this game. Not as strong as expected. I'll say that much. I, I don't think the Dolphins' offense looked as strong as everybody expected them to look with those two playmakers on the field. But I will say that the Dolphins looked strong enough, even on the defensive side of the ball, to make them playoff contenders. They were on the bubble last year. I do think the Dolphins make the playoffs this year based on just based solely on what I see in Week 1. Um, hmm. back, I don't that's a bold. I, I'm going to call that a bold prediction, Cotton. I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's bold. Uh, you know, Tua. You know, we've always had our doubts about Tua. Yep. Uh, you know, he, but he had. But he popped. You know, he popped a 74-7 QBR. He went 23 for 33 for 270 yards uh, and a touchdown. You know, and you know Chase had. You know, Chase Edmonds was doing most of the rushing, and Tyree Kill, uh, a pick pickup from the Chiefs, obviously got you know eight catches for 94 yards, and Jalen Waddle even scored a touchdown. So maybe Jalen Waddle, you know, starts to you know build from his from his uh, you know six, somewhat success in last year. So you know they may have some weapons. Um, you know, I, again, it's like let's see if he can keep get some more W's in the win column. Right. I think Jalen Waddle is is undoubtable. You know, like. A lot of people are going to say Tyreek's the number one over there. I think it's kind of 1A and 1B over there, to be honest. Uh, I, I really do think that that uh, they both kind of come off like number one receivers with different skill sets. Waddle's more of a, a um, possession type of receiver at this point, which is great. Tyreek's more of that deep threat. Tyreek makes plays with his legs. Uh, you know, and Chase Edmonds, I don't think he's the, the running back they should have over there. I really don't think he's that good, to be honest with you. I, I think Chase Edmonds... Um, looked a little uh, pedestrian in that game. 12 carries for 25 yards. He only had a 2.1 average. I mean, and, but look at all the different players that rushed the football in this game. They were, they were really, uh, uh, you know, wheeling and dealing it. Yeah, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Tyree Kill, Alec Ingold, and Tua all had rushes on the game. So, I mean, that that's a lot of different players <clears throat> handling the football out of the backfield. But, uh, you know... Over time, I think the Dolphins are going to continue creating that that um, uh, chemistry that we like to see, and I, I do think the Dolphins are going to continue on this trajectory uh, moving into next week. You know, they they actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, have a pretty uh, favorable matchup. I'm currently looking for it at the moment, but uh, yeah, they, well, actually, they don't have a very. It's against the Ravens, so it's a tough matchup. But I, I do think they're still going to wind up with a win in that game. So yeah, that's spoiler alert there. But the Dolphins, I think, are looking pretty damn good. I'm excited about the Dolphins. I think their defense looks strong. Um, and I think their offense is starting to click a little bit more with uh, Tyree Kill in the fold and the guys that they've got. Dolphins pick up the win here, 20-7. to As for the Patriots, you know, Mac Jones goes down with an injury. Um, you're going to see, you know, the Patriots were, were screwing around with having T.Y. or Ty Montgomery in there in the backfield, you know, making plays as a running back, and he gets hurt. I don't know why they got away from Ramadre Steven, uh, Stevenson. Uh, Ramadre Stevenson looked good for them. 
last year, so I don't understand the logic behind putting uh, Ty Montgomery in there. Just seems silly to me. But we'll, you know, Montgomery goes down with the injury. Here comes Stevenson, ready to take over that role. Ramadre Stevenson should be your running back one B, judging by what I saw last year between him and Damian Harris. So I maybe that's just my opinion on that. But the Dolphins get the win here. Next up, Browns versus Panthers, the revenge game. So we so we thought. Uh, and Baker Mayfield goes out and loses to his old team, 26-24. It was a come-from-behind type of thing for, for Baker Mayfield. He gets his team in the lead. The Browns kick the field goal for a win. Um, I believe his name is Cade York, the, the young man, the, the young kicker. He was the one that, that uh, knocked the game winner through. He was 4-4 four for four on field goals in this game. Browns' defense looked pretty damn strong. Uh, Christian yep. McCaffrey looked kind of iffy in this game. I mean, he was not the Christian McCaffrey we expected. He only had 10 for 33 yards and a touchdown, and he had four catches for 24 yards. It was not a banner performance from Christian McCaffrey. Very middling, mediocre kind of uh, game. Uh, Baker did some good things in this game, but it's about what we expected from Baker Mayfield. You know, realistically, the Browns got it done, and I don't think the Browns got it done in as convincing fashion as a lot of people thought either. I mean, Nick Chubb had himself a hell of a game. Kareem Hunt had himself a hell of a game. But, man, for the score to be this close, eh, got questions mm. about the Browns now, especially against a questionable Panthers team. What say you, Alex? Yeah, this, the, if you look at the stat lines, I mean, the, the, the QBRs are nearly identical. Right. Uh, and, you know, the, the game looks like it belonged to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But, again, you know, you have to kick a field goal to win it. It, it just got a little... I mean, they, they came out strong in the second quarter. You know, they got they scored 17 points. But it sounded like it was just, you know, a feeling out process. And, you know, the fact that Baker Mayfield couldn't get off the ground, uh, you know, he's really going to be regretting uh, putting that tweet out and eating his own words. He's probably he's probably got some ketchup to go with that crow he's eating right now, especially since he lost to his old team. So, you know, that so that does raise a lot of red flags about, you know, not not only you know, okay, what's going on here, but you know, I, I think this these two teams probably have a, a, a bounce back game. Uh, you know, so the Panthers are going to be going up against uh, the New York Football Giants, and the Cleveland Browns will be taking on the New York Football Jets, two of the crappiest teams in the NFL. So the question then becomes, in my mind, who beats the other team worse? Uh, you know, if you got two crappy teams, then you theoretically you should have some pretty big games. Uh, but what say you? Well, I mean, I, I think they could bounce back, but let's not forget that the Giants just went out and put a, a W on the uh, or, or dropped a loss on the uh, Titans there last week. Right. So, we'll be so we're talking I, about that in a minute. This could be a different Giants team that we're seeing with Brian DeBall at the helm. But we're going to find out just how good the Browns actually are, and and we're going to find out if if. You know, it was an anomaly that the Panthers kept this game as close as they did. We're going to find out if it was, if the Browns were just are just shitty these days. Now, the big question for me is, do you think this game winds up being different if Deshaun Watson is in that game? You know, I it, it's it's entirely possible. I mean, we don't we don't know obviously, and we're not we're not going to know until we find out. You know, just what you know uh, Deshaun Watson is capable of. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when he does come back to see what he does with this Browns team, and if he's able to if he's able to light it up, 
then we'll we'll have our answer. But uh, I think that uh, the, the dynamic of the game might change a little bit had uh, had Mr. Watson played instead of Jacoby Brissett. Right. Uh, you know, next up we've got uh, Colts and Texans coming to a tie, a week one tie. Um, you know, this game, I never expected it to go to a tie. I never thought it would go to a tie. I thought the Colts were just going to kick the shit out of the Texans. Turns into a tie. I, I just don't get it. Matt Ryan uh, looked very, very rough in the first half of this game, really for the first three quarters. And the Texans were just dominating throughout the middle part of this game. The second and third quarter, they dropped 20 points. It was 20-3 to three going into the third quarter. Uh, come from behind, tie for the Colts. Uh, and, and poor Rodrigo Blankenship, he misses the game winner for the Colts, ultimately winds up getting released. Uh, and they also kind of, you know, a lot of people were questioning, myself included, why he got released. A lot of people have been pointing toward the fact that he had two kickoffs that went out of bounds, too, that gave the Texans good field position. The point is, I don't think Rodrigo Blankenship should have been released by the Colts. I thought that was just a silly knee-jerk reaction. I'm not a fan of that. I think that's bullshit. And I think Rodrigo Blankenship, wherever he gets signed, is going to have a hell of a career as a good young kicker. But um, the Texans go out and tie with the Colts 20-20. to I mean, this is, this is kind of upswinging for the Texans here. I'm a little surprised that they didn't get... Uh, they're Damian Pierce, their new uh, prize running back, you know, rocking and rolling. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> he, he gets it done. He's, he's or they, they get it done, rather, like, sort of. They tie with a, a very good Colts team that almost made the playoffs last year. Uh, I thought Davis Mills looked okay in this game. I, I mean, what do you make of this Texans team? Is this just an anomaly here? Are the Colts just, were they just playing down to the Texans? Are the Texans the real deal? Are the Colts just falling off? Is Matt Ryan a downgrade to Carson Wentz? So many questions come out of this football game. Well, uh, I'll tell you right now, um, I, based on the fact that the Houston Texans were able to drop 20 points on the, on the Indianapolis Colts uh, to the third quarter and lead by 17, uh, you know, kind of makes me think, just from the outside looking in, okay, maybe there's something going on where, you know, the dumps, like we, the, somebody grabbed a fire extinguisher and... and, and Put out the dumpster fire, but I'm not 100% convinced that uh, the woes in Houston are over quite yet. Uh, I think Matt Ryan, uh, you know, is a downgrade from Carson Wentz, uh, especially considering his age. You know, he's almost as old as Tom Brady, as as what, as what I'm to understand. I mean, his QBR was slightly better than Davis Mills. Uh, Mills, I think, just needs you know to keep developing. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Is he a rookie, or is how, how, how long has he been on? Guy out of Stanford. He came in the middle of last year. Right. And, uh, he was, you know, I, I actually liked him out of when he was in Stanford. I saw their pro day, and I, I still uh, remain hopeful for Davis Mills. What I saw at that Stanford pro day was a guy that was was dropping dimes. I mentioned this on the show before uh, with with Tyler. Is is this guy was dropping dimes? To his his uh, receivers in the middle of like a monsoon out there at Stanford. Well, it's, and, pro- well, it's probably because of his periscope neck. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I just, so. he has a hell of an arm. I, you know, he's got to develop. You are one hundred percent right. We got to see if the game is going to slow down for him. But he's a good quarterback for what they're doing right now. I do think if he doesn't, you know, show some real true development this year and get this team maybe to closer to five hundred. Then, then they're going to start looking for a new QB in the draft, and they still might do that. But the Houston Texans right now, uh, 
they, they kind of stunned everybody with this tie with the Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had himself a hell of a game. Matt Ryan still had a very good game, at the, you know, but threw for 352 yards and a touchdown. But we got to get more out of Matt Ryan. And I can't sit there and say that he's a downgrade necessarily to Carson Wentz in spite of the, the week that Carson Wentz had, which we'll get to. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that Matt Ryan, um, I, I don't know that, that he was entirely prepared. I, the, I thought this was a better version of Matt Ryan than we've seen in the last two seasons because Matt Ryan in the last two seasons has been outrageously bad. But, you know, we're, we're going to find out exactly uh, how Matt Ryan fits into this cult scheme. And, and we're going to find out this week, uh, especially, when which we'll get to shortly here. But... The Colts and the Texans tie 20 to 20, kind of a surprise there. Next up, we got the Falcons dropping a heartbreaker to the Saints. Last minute field goal gives the Saints the win. It's 27 26. Um, you know, the Falcons, they played their hearts out. Mariota, 20 for 33, 215. Uh, Cordero Patterson had himself a really nice game 22 carries for 120 yards. He had a 5.5 average on the day. He scores a touchdown. Uh, the big story for this game when it comes to the Falcons is the rookie, Drake London, five catches for 74 yards. He had a 14.8 average. He looked really great. On the Saints side, things, though, very, very fun game because you had Jarvis Landry, who was a surprise. But the big surprise was after the first half of doing nothing, by, by halftime, Michael Thomas had one reception for four yards. He finishes with five receptions, 57 yards, two touchdowns, and it all just came in a, just a flurry um, from from Michael Thomas there. I was impressed. Also, let me just point out Taysom Hill here. Taysom Hill is technically a tight end, and he goes out and rushes for 81 yards and a touchdown on four carries, just four carries. Uh, he had himself a, a fun game. He only had one catch for two yards, but that that multi-talented use of Taysom Hill uh, makes things very interesting over there in New Orleans. I like Taysom Hill a lot. I've always stood by Taysom Hill. Tyler hates Taysom Hill. Well, what do you think of Taysom Hill in this current role? I think it's great for the Saints. Well, I'll tell you, uh, to have a multi-threat like that uh, based on these statistics alone you know, is is an eye opener, and that's something that uh, the head coach should look at, and and, and, the, and the boys should they, hey, why don't we keep doing that? You know, it obviously worked against these Falcons. Now, granted, uh, the Saints uh, next week are going to be going up against. Uh, I'm gonna just take a look here. They're going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so it's quite a bit of an up, it's quite a bit of an upgrade from the Atlanta Falcons. So they're going up against the goat. So, uh, but but having Taysom Hill have, you know, not only you know his tight end blocking and and uh, you know run, route running duties. You know, if he if he can actually run the ball, and you know find a way find a way to make that work. I mean, that's definitely a dynamic to keep your eye on. Taysom Hill going into this season did not want to be a tight end. Uh, it seems like it's working out for him though, pretty pretty effectively. So that is how that one is right now. Next up, we got the Ravens beating the Jets twenty four to nine. You know, amid all of the uh, Lamar Jackson contract talks, I'm going to be real here, and I'm not going to be a homer a homer like Tyler is here. I'm going to flat out say. Lamar Jackson did not look good in this game. 17 for 30, 213 yards. He had three touchdowns, but man, that 213 yards, eh, I, I got questions about it. 
Uh, the surprise for the Ravens, Devin Duvernay had four receptions for 52 yard, or 54 yards and two touchdowns. Really a big surprise. I didn't expect Devin Duvernay to do all that. Rashad Bateman also had two receptions for 59 yards. Bateman did not look like the number one receiver in this game that he was supposed to be. Uh, you know, and we had Joe Flacco, man. That old guy threw the ball 59 times in this game for 309 yards. Uh, he was just like a statue, though. I mean, the guy was just getting pounded. The Jets only put yep. up nine points on the day. Um, as much as I like Joe Flacco, uh, uh, you know, as the quarterback of the Jets, I still don't think he's the guy either. Zach Wilson isn't the guy. Joe Flacco's not the guy. I don't think either one of these guys deserve to be a quarterback in the NFL, quite frankly. Um, but the Ravens get it done 24-9. to The Ravens did not look like the Super Bowl or playoff contenders that I expected them to look like. I mean, am I, nope. am I missing anything there? Nope. Well, well, you are missing one thing, uh, the, the QBR ratings, uh, which which just it's just another nail in the coffin. Uh, Lamar Jackson's QBR was 65.5. That's very low for a quarterback of his caliber. And Joe Flacco, yeah, he was a statue and got hit with like three sacks and he threw 59 times for 300 yards. His quarterback rating was a 21.7. Uh, you know, absolute dumpster fire situation in New, in, in, in New York uh, as far as the Jets are concerned. So, you know, we, the more <laughs> we, we had a lot of surprises in week one. This was not one of them. Uh, we knew that Baltimore was going to come out on the other side on this. But to t- but to your point, Scott, uh, the Baltimore offense uh, does need a little bit of work. Uh, the defense, you know, what can we say? I mean, they, they had three sacks, uh, 53 solo tackles. They had 10 quarterback hits. Uh, you know, they didn't have any touchdowns. So it, it doesn't, they didn't look like, you know, they didn't look like the drum beaters, you know, from, you know, years past. I mean, they got the job done. But this Ravens, this Ravens team is not, you know, uh, based on what we're seeing here is not an ode to uh, older and more experienced teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I, but it is Baltimore. I mean, I think the defense looks strong, but it's Baltimore. You know, um, and they're not picking yeah. up the New York Jets, who are not good. So, right. You know, I, I expected more out of Baltimore in this game. So far, I'm, I'm, if I'm Tyler, I'm shaking in my boots here going, this does not look like a, a playoff or Super Bowl caliber team. Well, you know, the, the Baltimore Ravens uh, have, you know, a date with the Miami Dolphins, uh, like we mentioned earlier. So let's see what happens. I mean, do they get their swagger back against, uh, you know, against the Dolphins or do the Dolphins pull off another upset? Yep. We're going to see if they're the real deal. Uh, next up, we got the Commanders beating the Jags 28-22. Carson Wentz, you know what? He looked damn good on the day. 27 for 41, 313, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, but who cares? Uh, they get, He dominated this game. The guy I want to talk about the most, though, he is one of my favorite players on this team. I know Ta- Tyler was soaking his jockeys when he saw the numbers because he loves this guy. Curtis Samuel had eight receptions for eleven on 11 targets. 11 targets for Curtis Samuel. 55 yep. yards. He had a touchdown. He led the, uh, the receivers in, in uh, targets and receptions. I, you know, I like Curtis Samuel a lot, I, and he also had uh, four carries on the game for 17 yards. You know, is Curtis Samuel wide receiver one in Washington? Is Scary Terry kind of uh, being overrun here? 
I think so. I mean, well, Scary Terry only had two catches for 58 yards and only four targets. So you know, when you look at the numbers, I mean, Antonio Gibson had, you know, the most, you know, he had the second most receptions. He had the most yards. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Curtis Samuel was the guy they were looking at more often than not. So well, maybe so maybe he's the new maybe he's the new number one. And let's also point out that that in the red zone, Jahan Dotson actually got more targets also with five targets. He got more targets than Terry McLaurin. He also scored two touchdowns on the day for Jahan Dotson. You know, I would been talking, uh, you know, about sleepers in the offseason. We were talking about sleepers and I had mentioned that Jahan Dotson is one of those sleepers. And man, he looked damn good. I like Jahan Dotson. I'm excited for him and uh, seeing those two touchdowns. Now, do I think that's going to be an every week thing? Probably not. But, you know, uh, still, Jahan Dotson getting it done over there with two touchdowns. On the other side, I want to point out a guy that made us eat our fucking words in week one here. Christian Kirk with six receptions for 117 yards. Now, we laughed our asses off when this guy got got picked up for the amount of money that he got picked up for. Six receptions, 117 yards for Christian Kirk. Now, whether or not they were forcing the ball to him, I mean, that may be, but he, he had six receptions. Uh, but he had himself a damn good game. I don't know if that's sustainable when it comes to Christian Kirk. James Robinson also had himself a decent game, 11 carries for 66 yards. He had a six average. Travis Etienne was used on a lot of trick plays in this game. Wound up with an 11.8 average. He had four carries for 47 yards. I think James Robinson is the better every down back. James Robinson got a touchdown here. Trevor Lawrence did not look bad in this game right up until the end when he threw the game-losing interception. The, the Jags were driving downfield looking to pick up a W here. It was a much closer game than we expected, but the uh, at the end of the day, the Commanders get it done against a Jaguars team that does look very much improved under Doug Peterson as their new head coach. And that's just the thing, you know, uh, when, you, when you got, uh, you know, Rude Urban Meyer, you know, packing his bags and saying, see you later. And then you get a guy that's actually won a Super Bowl uh, coming in, coming into your franchise. You know, you, you've got some you've got some uh, you got some hope and this game proves it. Uh, can they build on that? I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, now, next up, we got the Vikings crushing the Packers 23 to 7. What an awesome game for me. What a fun one for me to watch. You know, I had watched that Rams game, and I talked about how much I felt the Rams offense looked so uninspired. You know what? The Vikings offense looked more inspired than I've seen ever since the Mike Zimmer era started. Kevin O'Connell is the real deal so far as a head coach. I am legitimately excited. The Packers have a very tough defense, and the Vikings made mincemeat of them. The story of this game, Justin Jefferson. Nine receptions for 184. He gets two touchdowns on the day. People are already talking about how Justin Jefferson could be the guy that eclipses that 2,000-yard mark. Right now, he's more than on pace. I, You know, this was a hell of a start for the Minnesota Vikings. Their defense looks strong. I, I can't get over how how exciting and, and clean and crisp everything looked. Their Super Bowl uh, odds have, have skyrocketed since this first game. It, it was crazy to me the way that they dominated the Packers. They made Aaron Rodgers look like a, a complete chump. Uh, Zadarius Smith was an absolute monster in this game. Dalvin Cook very quietly has himself a good 20 carries for 90 yards. I mean, this was a solid game. And I also want to point out, you know, 
I'm I'm gonna gonna take a victory lap here, okay? <laughs> because one thing I said, and you know how good I am at taking victory laps. Oh yeah. I'm taking this victory lap because all throughout last year, I heard so many people, so many Vikings fans, out in the the very toxic Twitterverse, saying that Harrison Smith had lost a step. Quote unquote, he lost a step. Uh, I, rem- I remember that rant very very vividly. He, he lost a step. Harrison Smith in this game, first of all, let me just point out Harrison Smith was a top 10 safety last year. Top six safety, actually. But let me also point out that Harrison Smith looked like an absolute complete ass kicker in this game. He made everybody just eat them words with with a spoon. He made everybody eat that big old piece of humble pie. And I'm making all you Vikings fans out there in the Twitterverse, y'all can eat it too. Harrison Smith is one of the best safeties in football. I told you last year, I told you the year before that, this man has not lost a step. He has yep. not lost a step. He had a pick in that game. He had five tackles in that game. He had himself a damn good game. And that interception that he had was one of the prettiest interceptions that I have seen in a while. He came up. He made a great play on that ball. He confused the shit out of Aaron Rodgers all day long. He was a hard-hitting monster in this game. And I absolutely love the fact that that Harrison Smith is making people just eat that crow just just gobble it all down because he was phenomenal so for all those people that told me i was crazy because uh, i said that harrison smith was still one of the best safeties in the nfl and you all said you don't know what you're talking about he's lost a step mm-hmm. how's it looking because harrison smith looks tremendous in this ed donatel system and i also want to point out a guy that looked damn good in this game especially from a you know and from a pass coverage standpoint I said in this offseason that I didn't expect him to look good, and he didn't. But from a blitzing standpoint, from a run coverage standpoint, from a a, uh, uh, pass rushing standpoint, Jordan Hicks looked so good in this game, on top of Zadarius Smith looking good, on top of Daniil Hunter looking good. This defense was great. I think the only liability that I saw in this defense was Patrick Peterson, who almost got got completely blown away on the very first play from Packers uh, scrimmage with uh, Christian Watkins almost uh, running down the field, down the side of the field with that that uh, touchdown. I mean, had he caught that, that's a, a TD, no doubt. But the Vikings looked good, and Kirk Cousins looked good. This was a great game by Vikings. Alex, so, what about you? Cup- Couple of a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, Harrison Smith. I, I, I went ahead and drank, I'm, I'm taking a sip of the PFF Kool Aid. It tastes pretty good so far. Uh, 87.5 PFF defensive grade for Harrison Smith, including an 89.3 for coverage, and Jordan Hicks 90.4 for pass rush, and you know 66.3 for a run de- run defense. You know, 57 overall defense because he had 49.45.9 coverage, but I mean that that's if those are a couple of numbers that you need to just think about in the back of your head too, about wh- you know why Harrison Smith hasn't lost a step, why uh, Jordan Hicks you know surprised everybody, and Aaron Rodgers quite possibly had the lowest QBR rating I've ever seen from him. I mean, an 18.9, yep. sacked four times. Uh, only averaged uh, 5.7 yards and had a pick against him. Jordan Love had to come in, and he was actually a 4-for-5 for, for 65 yards. 
uh, and he actually popped a 76 quarterback rating. Um, so it I, again, this is week one, and Aaron Rodgers is still a bad, bad man. But he's and he's gonna he's gonna look at this game, and it, it's gonna it's gonna stick in his craw for a couple weeks. I'm not. He he looks so curmudgeon though, and and that was one thing that that uh, people said about him on the sidelines is he was reportedly very very crotchety on the sidelines. Yeah, not happy with with old Aaron Rodgers and the way he was acting on the sidelines. But oh, the yeah. Vikings dominated this game in every facet. Yes, they did. Uh, and and I'm pretty excited for the Vikings. I want to see you know they they beat a very good Packers defense up. I want to see what they're going to do against that Eagles defense and see if yep. they can beat out the Eagles. On, on Monday night in the bit and the bright lights, I, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yep, Monday night in Philly, no, no, no less. So I mean, we're going to see if, if uh, you know, the Eagles are the real deal or if the Vikings are the real deal. We're going to find out just what, what, you know, who stands where. Um, and this is going to be one of those those exciting games. Uh, next up, we got the upset. The Giants beat the Titans, 21 to 20. Last minute, going for two. I mean, you got to love this stuff. The big story of this game is Saquon Barkley is back, baby. 18 carries, 164 yards, and a touchdown. He had a 9.1 average on the day. Is Brian DeBall the the coaching savior for the New York football Giants at this point? I mean, coming out and beating a Titans team. I understand there's a Titans defense missing Harold Landry. But, I mean, coming out and beating the Titans, I think that's a pure statement game from the New York Giants at this point, that they are on an upward trajectory for the future. Am I right? 100%. You know, um, I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, went 17-21. I mean, well, he didn't throw the ball a whole bunch of times. He still popped a 28.6 QB rating. So clearly Daniel Jones, uh, you know, he has, he has to be the guy because he's, you know, in that spot. Uh, it, it's really good. It's really refreshing to see Saquon Barkley live up to his potential that he should have lived up to years ago. Um, it could, it could again, just be like a product of this coaching system. Because Joe Judge was absolutely terrible. Uh, Jason Garrett was at, was not that, that hot. And Dave Gettleman was, you know, a, a pile of dog feces in a bag wearing glasses. So, have, you know, getting getting rid of Gettleman, getting rid of Joe Judge, and you know, putting this new coach in, you know. Th- the, the the building blocks seem to be in place for this new for this beleaguered New York Football Giants team, so it goes back to the Panthers and the Browns. You know, are the Panthers going to struggle against the Giants, or are the Panthers going to get mad and run them over? Uh, you know, we know the you know the Jets are going to lay down and play dead, but uh, you know, it, 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 but so it'll be it's a good test for the Giants to see if 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 this week was just a one was a fluke or if they're really starting to make strides coming back. Yeah, I think Brian DeBall might be the savior. And and you know what? Derrick Henry really quietly hit 21 carries for 82 yards. It wasn't a full-on Derrick Henry clinic like we're used to seeing. But we also know that Derrick Henry, you know, he was a little eliminated in this game. Um, it was very close. So they the, the Titans actually sort of, sort of stuck to throwing the ball. Tannehill had himself an okay game. He wasn't elite. Was it only he was 20 for 33, 266, two touchdowns. So he didn't have himself a bad game, but the Titans get upset by the Giants. Huge surprise. That might have been the, one of the biggest surprises of the week. Uh, next up, we get the Chargers and the Raiders. Chargers beat him 24-19. Derek Carr, man, he looked a little rough around the edges. Two touchdowns, three picks. Kind of an iffy day for Derek Carr and company, but Devontae Adams kind of kept everybody alive. And, and it was funny watching the Vikings-Packers game because they were actually having a, a little graphic show up showing 
the the offensive output from Devontae Adams versus the entire Packers defense. And Devontae Adams, for a large portion of that game, was outgaining the entire Packers offense. So, I mean, I, wow. I tell you, I, I, Devontae Adams may have been the glue that held that whole team together. But the Chargers, Justin Herbert goes out 26 for 34, yep. 269, three touchdowns, had himself a good game. Uh, Keenan Allen gets hurt in this game, but we got to talk about this DeAndre Carter kid. I don't know if he's going to wind up being a stud down the line. I don't know if he's just a spot start kind of guy. We don't know what he's going to wind up becoming. But DeAndre Carter, he looked good. Three receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, we, we didn't get the output out of Mike Williams we wanted, but the, the Chargers still get it done. 24-19 in their division, in the, the AFC West. I, I like that a lot. I think the Chargers showed some some real uh, guts here in, in taking down a divisional opponent. Yep. Uh, and the Raiders were a playoff team last year, the, the team that beat the Chargers out to make the playoffs. So, you know what? Chargers get a good victory there. Next up, we get the Chiefs, 44-21 over the Cardinals. you got Mahomes, five touchdowns on the day. My God. Uh, the Cardinals, on the other hand, they struggle. They were on the struggle bus, and you got Kyler Murray, 193, two touchdowns. That is not the amount of... Uh, uh, not the statistical outlook you want from a guy that is going to wind up being your franchise quarterback for the future because you just paid the man. I don't believe yeah. Kyler Murray, uh, and and he didn't do anything to impress me. Patty Mahomes was the story of this game. Uh, what do you think of old Patty Mahomes here? Are the Chiefs still for real? Are yep. they still the, the top dogs in the AFC West? What do you make yep. of it? Yeah, Pat Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things, and you know they act, they took out the Chargers uh, in Thursday night's game. Uh, more on that with the, in the next episode, but uh, you know, but the, the Kansas City Chiefs are still the real deal. You know, they they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, uh, and you know Justin Herbert. You know, going back to the to that Raiders game very quickly. You know, it's it's good to see you know the Chargers come out you know with with that victory. Yeah, and Kyler Murray, as as we've talked about, I mean, you know, the the man uh, obviously needs some more work. He needs to he needs to make sure that the tape, you know, that there's actual tape on the tapes when he's, you know, <laughs> f- studying film. Uh, but you know, but yeah, you're right. I do not see I do not see the the value in Kyler Murray at this point. You know, I, I, we thought that he was going to be this world beater. I mean, he didn't catch like that that first game against the Lions uh, last year. He didn't come alive till like the fourth quarter, and but then he did. Then when he did, when he came alive, he came alive. I mean, when he only popped a 56, 55 quarterback rating uh, for this game against the Chiefs. So you know, there's still work to be done in Arizona. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not hopeless, but it's definitely it should be a wake up call. Yeah, it, it definitely should be. I agree. I think Cardinals, um, you know, Tyler, you got to remember, and, and Tyler, you know, he really wanted to go back on that on that prediction, but I'm holding him to it. He, he said, I don't want the Cardinals anymore, and he was saying that, you know, leading in about two weeks before the season, and I, I he wanted to, to go re-go through our, our season predictions um, and, and create a new prediction, and I said, nay, nay, motherfucker. Um, and the Cardinals, uh, man, you, you, they're looking like a questionable pick by him. He's picked the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, the last two seasons to go to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, pick, yeah. I pick, in fact, picked the Rams last year, so I, I'll just put that little feather in my cap. But 
Um, next up, we've got the Bucks and the Cowboys. Bucks beat the Cowboys 19-3, a very defensive battle. Neither team had a very good offensive line. Um, Tom Brady didn't look real good. He threw an ugly pick. The, the Cowboys, Dad Prescott, hurts his hand. He's out for the next eight weeks. Uh, you know, the Cowboys looked rough in this game, but that Bucks uh, offensive line looked rough in this game. Uh, Brady had to resort to a lot of the, the little uh, dink and dunk passes that he did back in New England because the offensive tackles were just non-existent. Micah Parsons was plowing through that line, and they, they, the, it got to the point where the Cowboys were lining up Micah Parsons to the right side of the line, uh, technically the left side of the, the Bucks line, to blast that, that left tackle who was a rookie, a third stringer, and Micah Parsons was just throwing people around, hitting Brady like crazy. It, it was wild, but the, uh, the Cowboys had no offense on the day. They needed to run Zeke more. They didn't. They needed to run Pollard more. They didn't. Uh, they were relying far too much on Dak's arm. who He was extremely inaccurate. The Cowboys need receivers over there desperately. They are missing Amari Cooper right now. The Cowboys, I don't think that they're going to get anywhere near a playoff appearance, um, and I think they're basically done for the season with Dak being out for the next eight weeks, don't you? Well, yeah, if you if it weren't for the fact that Dak Prescott was injured, he's going to be out for several weeks. I would you know, if Dak Prescott was still with the Cowboys, I would say, uh, you know, don't hit the panic button just yet. But people are slamming that button right now because now you have Cooper Rush, the backup coming in. He went seven to 13 and, and for 64 yards. So, you know, Cooper is, you know, so Cooper Rush, you know, it looks like he's going to be the starter this coming next week. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what he's what surprises he has up his sleeve. Who knows? You know he might actually uh, you know shock the world and you know show a little show a little more than we were expecting. But yeah, it's definitely a fire sale in Dallas right now, uh, especially with that horrible offensive performance and the fact that the Buccaneers were still able to put 19 points on the board despite a horrible offensive line. Um, I think uh, you know. I mean, Tom Brady is Tom, still Tom Brady, and if they if they get all the things fixed up, you know, it'll be it'll be okay. I mean, Tampa Bay shouldn't be panicking, but uh, Dallas Cowboys fans should definitely be thinking, what do we do next? Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the Cowboys are in, in deep trouble. They're going to need to go into the draft and pick up a young receiver. Uh, Dak Prescott is. He's a good quarterback, but but Dak Prescott did not look good leading up to his injury. I do think that Bucks defense is the real thing. Uh, you're going to see the Buccaneers, and and I said you're going to see the Buccaneers, you know, kind of fighting for a Super Bowl appearance. Right now, I'll be honest, as a Vikings fan, I am not overly concerned about a lot of the teams in the NFC, and and I know that sounds arrogant, but just looking down the line, I'm not overly concerned, and that's an interesting thing to say. Uh, moving yeah. this, this year. Um, Certainly. Yep. Next up, you got the Seahawks. Last but not least, Monday Night Football Seahawks drop or uh, go ahead and beat the Broncos. We thought Russell Wilson was going to beat the brakes off the Seahawks, go into his old stadium and pound on them. Yeah, so much for that. Russ drops a heartbreaker. The Broncos uh, uh, lose this game 17 to 16. Gotta love it. Um, you know, what, what do you make of Russ Wilson? Do you think he comes out firing next week with the Broncos? I think they look, you know, the Broncos could have sealed this game up about three separate times 
The goal line offense continues to haunt Russ Wilson. They could not get into the end zone for the life of them. I don't understand what the, the issue was. Two fumbles on the one. They get stuffed on the one. Like Somebody explained to me why Russell, Russell Wilson and company always has trouble with goal line offense, for Christ's sake. I mean, well, I'll tell you what. Russell Wilson was still the was the quarterback that threw an interception to uh, Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl because they didn't think to hand the ball to Marshawn on the one yard line, and I think that curse is kind of stuck with him, yep. uh, based on what you're telling me. Um, Russell Wilson is definitely not. I don't. I do not believe that we've seen the worst of Russell Wilson. We let me let me back that up. We have seen the worst of Russell Wilson. He can only get better. I think this loss motivates him, especially since he's going to Houston or Houston's coming to Denver. Uh, so he's, you know, for, so for their home opener, you know, I think Russ just, you know, throws the hammer, throws the hammer down, and we should expect, you know, uh, a performance. That Broncos fans should expect a high performance from Russell Wilson uh, when they when the Houston Texans come to town. As far as Geno Smith is concerned, you know, he had a, he had a decent outing, you know, 23 catches for 195 yards, two touchdowns, and a 64.7 quarterback rating. Now, we were crapping all over this guy last year when he only had one good game, and perhaps this is his one good game. What do you say? Let me just say, uh, you look, Geno Smith had himself a decent game. He was 25, 23-28, to which is accurate, 195, two touchdowns. You know where I heard this type of stat line before? And and you know what? Everybody was praising this guy as a world beater uh, uh, that way back when. It was 2009, okay? And there's a guy who played for the New York Jets who, who went, you know, 15 for 19 for 195 and, and a touchdown and no picks, and they made such a big deal out of him. You know what that guy's name was? It was Mark Sanchez. And Mark Sanchez went out there and he had himself this this tremendous game, supposedly, that everybody thought he was some type of world beater. And and then what happened with Mark Sanchez, that same day, Peyton Manning went 41 for 45 for 395 and four touchdowns, and nobody said a goddamn word about it. Everybody just blew it off like it was no big thing. Let me just point out, I don't think Mark, you know, Mark Sanchez deserved all that praise. I don't think Geno Smith deserves the praise he's getting right now. He had a good game. Big deal. Geno Smith, that is the highest he is ever going to get. Him getting rooted off the field in Seattle, Geno, 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 he better suck it all in. because that. And he, he made some smart-ass comment, oh, they all wrote me off, but I didn't write back. That was the big quote. You know what? They're going to write you off next week when you get your ass handed to you. They're going to write you off next week when you... Get your, the following week when you get your ass handed to you over and over and over and over and over again. Geno Smith is not that good. I don't care what anybody has to say. Geno Smith is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a spot start backup. He has no business being a, a starter on any field. And the fact that people think that this, that this situation where had they the, the Denver Broncos scored on, on those three one-yard possessions, Think about how bad this score could have been. Yeah. Think about that. It would have been thirty-seven to seventeen had they scored on those three those three plays. I mean, this isn't. It's not even worth talking. Geno Smith was not that good, and they only managed to put up seventeen points. I'm not completely sold on Geno Smith. I'm not going to be sold on Geno Smith. 
And frankly, I think Russ Wilson is figuring, kind of figuring it out with the, with the Broncos. I don't, you know, it wasn't a horrible game for Russ. I can't sit there and say it was a horrible game for us because he was 29 for 42 for 340. I mean, it, that, that's not a bad game for him. Nope. So, I mean, like for people to, to sit there and, and make, I, I, I think this game is like the definition of overreaction Monday. When everybody got to overreaction Monday and freaked out, this is the, the game that caused the biggest freakouts, I think. You know, so I, I'm not entirely sold, but the Seahawks get it done, 17 to 16. And it's gonna be it's gonna be even worse news for Gino when San, when they go to San Francisco. They have San Francisco next week, so even even so, will they have Jimmy G on the field? Will they have Trey Lance on the field? But either way, I mean, let's find out what happens when uh, when you got a, a division rival to to battle. Yep. Now uh, that's our scores around the league. So that's entertaining. And Alex, we got to talk a little bit um, about a little segment that, uh, you know what, we like to call Tyler's Top Ten. Tyler's Top Ten. And you know what, I want to talk about Tyler's Top Ten here real quick. We, we're doing things a little different. See, the, in, in yesteryear, Tyler used to pick his top ten favorite players of the year or of the games, you know, of the week. Tyler would pick his top 10. He'd throw some honorable mentions out there, and it would be great. This year, we're doing things a little different. It's still going to be Tyler's top 10, but we're going to go through, and we are going to have – he got so happy with how the rookie rankings went that Tyler wanted me to send him a top 10 as well so he can slap it all together and come up with a consensus top 10 from week to week so we knew who our week-to-week MVP was. So instead of having a Freytown's Forgotten Five, I will just give be sending him my top ten list, and we will be putting together a consensus top ten, which is very entertaining. Now, same goes for Freytown's Forgetful Five, which we'll talk about shortly. But Tyler's top ten and Freytown's Forgetful Five are now a uh, collaboration event, much like our rookie rankings. But first... I want to jump into the honorable mentions of Tyler's top 10. We do have some honorable mentions. Cordero Patterson, or Cordero Patterson, I always pronounce his name, the former Viking, now a current uh, Atlanta Falcon, had himself a hell of a game, 120 yards. He had a great game for the Falcons, rushing the football. Uh, Jordan Hicks from the Minnesota Vikings, the outside linebacker, his pass rushing was awesome. He had himself a really good game. He was all over the place. Uh, Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills reaches honorable mention level. I know that's crazy. We had better performances than Josh fucking Allen this week. Um, <laughs> Mick Fitzpatrick went out and had himself a great game for the Steelers defense. He also had a pick six in that game. That's where the touchdown came in that you were talking about earlier. And also Jamar Chase for the Bengals had himself a hell of a game, but those guys did not make the top 10. So here goes Tyler's top 10. Starting with number 10, A.J. Brown gets number 10. 10 receptions, 155 yards. I think he completely has evolved the Eagles defense this year. Um, Just a tremendous game. 155 yards, 10 receptions. I think the Eagles defense looks completely different with him in the fold, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, he's number two in the PFF rankings, just behind Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, AJ Brown was, uh, he was definitely the number one receiver in the, in the lot with the lions. You know, he's, he's probably going to be the number one receiver going forward. 
uh, you know, it's, you know, sky, sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah, I think A.J. Brown's going to wind up having himself a good time over there with the Eagles this year. It's going to be a really awesome uh, year for him. Uh, next up, number nine goes to a guy you were talking about, how the Lions should beat the brakes off of him. I don't think it's going to happen. Carson Wentz, 27 for 41, 313 yards, four touchdowns, two picks, and a partridge in a pear tree. He comes out rocking and rolling, makes the top 10. He is uh, number nine this week. Carson, I think you guys should be shaking in your boots for this guy. Well, you know, it, it is cause for concern. I will tell you, I will, I will, I will admit as much, you know, he, you know, we weren't, I wasn't sitting anywhere. I wasn't saying that Carson Wentz wasn't a good football player. I mean, he's, he's got some experience. You know, his time with the Eagles, his, his, his stint with the Colts and now with the commanders, you know, I mean, the only thing that's really tr- kept him from being truly great is the fact that he kept getting hurt all the time. He kept tearing his ACL. So if he can stay healthy, thing, something we've said year after year, if he can stay healthy, yep. you know, he has some upswing in this league, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's again, it's 100% on the Lions to, you know, get their 35 points and to be able to hold a lead. You know, right. Car- Carson Wentz can do Carson Wentz things. And that's, you know, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be 100% on the Lions. I'm telling you. Yep. They're going to have to slow down uh, Carson Wentz and company. And uh, a lot of the stuff that, that the Washington commanders have been doing ha- has been uh, really some stuff that caters to defeating a team like the Lions who have a very questionable secondary. They've been running a lot of three and four man um, uh, receiving cores here. They've been, they've been, you know, they ran more three man routes than any other team in the NFL last week. So it's something to really think about. I think the Lions are going to find themselves in a lot of trouble if they can't stop that three man trifecta Mm -hmm. of scary Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson. And then add the fact that Logan Thomas is still out there and he's still a very capable tight end. I think you're it's going to spell trouble for the Lions if they can't slow down these these uh, high powered receivers. Add the fact that Antonio Gibson's out there, who's a very effective pass catcher. I mean, the commanders are going to have some fun. And I think Carson Wentz is going to have himself a game uh, moving into this one. Uh, next up, number eight, Cooper Cup, 13 receptions, 128 yards and a touchdown. You know, on one end, on paper, the stat line looks great, but let's face the facts. Matt Stafford was forcing the ball to Cooper Cup all night long on Monday mm. Night Football, and uh, I, I think that's going to be the case all year unless they get him another receiver that is much more efficient than one Allen Robinson. Uh, yep. Cooper Cup, I mean, he is obviously the heart and soul of that Rams offense, but man, they they can't keep just forcing the ball to him. Regardless, he gets six receptions for one twenty eight in a TD here. Uh, what do you think of Cooper Cup? Well, he's as you said, he's the bread and butter of that Rams offense. But the fact is, he's it's one that make the fact that he's the most relied on player on that offense makes their team one dimensional. That's a problem. Yep. So they got to fix up their running game. They got to get a different wide receiver, and they got to see if Tyler Higby can uh you know step up in the tight end position you know otherwise if they're just going to keep relying on cooper and if cooper goes down or if he gets hurt then it's going to be uh trouble in la yeah i think so too so cooper cup though still a very good stat line he winds up as number eight on our list number seven goes to Devonte adams 10 receptions 141 yards and a touchdown Devonte does Devonte things yep. he was the thing that really kept the uh the Raiders alive in this game. 
Um, definitely not Derek Carr and his poor stat line, but Devontae has himself a great game this past week. Shows up, shows why he was worth every penny that the Raiders are paying him. Uh, what do you make of Devontae Adams? He's a good fit in L.A. or in, I'm sorry, in Vegas, from what I can tell. Yep. I mean, it's just like you said, Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. And it kind of, you know, goes back to your comment earlier. You know, maybe he was the glue that was holding Green Bay together, you know, and Aaron Rodgers just sitting on the sidelines. Well, uh, you got you got me. You got me with these bums. Uh, well, maybe you yourself are a bum. It takes one. It takes one to know one. <clears throat> but uh, with Devontae, you know, you know, his reception PFF grade was say, 86.8. You know, overall, uh, an offensive grade of 88.3, you know, so he's, he he's, he's the guy, he's, he's the guy in there, but you know, like you said, you know, Derek Carr kind of needs to step it up on his end. Right. Can't, can't produce uh, so many turnovers and, and expect the game to go better for you. Uh, next up, number six, Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161, a touchdown, two receptions for 14 yards on top of it. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, he's the heart and soul. He's the, the the bread and butter. He is the workhorse of that Colts offense. But, man, he uh, 31 carries is a lot of carries for a guy. Uh, durability, you got to start worrying about, about his durability and, and his ability to stay in the games if you're going to run him that much. But Taylor gets himself a really good stat line there and uh, winds up number six on our list. I like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a stud. He's been a stud in Indianapolis for the last two seasons. What do you think of this guy? Well, it's kind of surprising that he's so low on the PFF uh, scale as far as halfbacks are concerned. Uh, you know, especially when there's people higher up on the list. I, I kind of, I've kind of have question marks as why Christian McCaffrey's number three on that list, even though he had that lackluster game against Cleveland. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, though, yep, he definitely is a stud. You know, um, he's ever, he's worth every bit that everybody's saying about him. You know, he's definitely, you know, the, the bread and butter of that run game. You know, you're right, though. You got you got to make sure that he's ready for the long haul. You know, you can't sit there and um, you, you can't sit there and just beat a dead horse into the ground. Because, again, that makes your team one dimensional. And you got to you got to have alternative attacks. Well, he was he's low on the list here. And I think one of the reasons he was so low on the list here is because of the fact that PFF oftentimes goes through efficiency is is what they're they're uh, basing their stuff on. And when you look at the efficiency 161 yards on 31 carries. That's a lot of carries. So, I mean, they're, they're looking at it going, well, that's not the most efficient thing. And no wonder he had 161 yards. He had 31 carries. Um, gotcha. He did have a lot of touches on the day. It's a lot like Latavius Murray, for example. Latavius Murray, all those years ago, he barely broke 1,000 yards, but everybody made a big deal out of Latavius breaking 1,000 yards. One thing I looked at is he led the league in attempts that year. So, I mean, when the guy was looking at 30 attempts and 35 attempts, and so I'm, well, shit, I'd hope he break a 1,000. You know, so there's questions there. But Jonathan Taylor is the glue that holds that Colts offense together. He's going to get the hell beat out of him, though, if they keep running him like that. They're going to need to uh, get him, get that more in check moving forward. One team that definitely has it in check for their running back is the Lions, and DeAndre Swift winds up as number five on our list, 15 carries, 144 yards, three receptions for 31 yards, and a touchdown. Swift quietly last year had himself, uh, uh, I mean, at least for the fantasy football analysts out there, he quietly had himself a, a top fantasy football league or uh, 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 season going on. He was a, a top five fantasy football guy last year. Nobody realized it. Now DeAndre Swift running around here, 
putting up some really solid numbers. And I think the Lions figured out this is how you use Swift. And I was saying they need to learn how to use this guy properly. And here we are. They used him properly. And it looks good. And I'm totally here for it. Yep. I mean, if there's one thing that Detroit got right is how to use the running game. And you want to talk about fantasy. DeAndre Swift, I, I personally believe, is the sole reason why I won in week one. Because <laughs> Jared had all the opportunities to unseat me during a certain Sunday night game. And Dak, you know, shit the bed. You know, Dalton Schultz shit the bed. And, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb didn't live up to expectations. Uh, but you know, but, but man, DeAndre Swift is definitely a huge weapon for this Detroit Lions offense. You know, I hope that the, the good times will will continue to come. Yeah, they they figured out how to utilize that man, and I'm I'm I think the Lions have have got a gem in him. Yeah. I wasn't entirely sold on him when he got drafted. I still do think Jonathan Taylor's the better running back of the two, but it mm-hmm. does seem like they figured out how to use DeAndre Swift moving forward. Um, number four goes to Justin Herbert, 26 for 34, 279, three touchdowns, and a 138.1 QBR. Justin Herbert, you know, a lot of people, including myself, have been talking how good the Chargers are and how good they're going to be. And and really, that, that AFC West is just so strong. Justin Herbert is a huge reason for that. I still believe that this guy's going to win a Super Bowl with that Chargers team. I still believe that Justin Herbert's going to have himself a bust in Canton at some point. I love Justin Herbert. I said that he was going to be a stud coming out of that draft, and and he has not disappointed in the least. Um, he just got to get his team to the playoffs, uh, and yep. winning that game against the Raiders got him off to a one and zero start in a division matchup. I understand he lost on Thursday Night Football. We'll get to that shortly, but Justin Herbert looking good. Yep. Got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed with this Chargers team with him at the helm. Absolutely. You know, uh, it, the, the future's bright for this kid. I mean, it's him, Mahomes, and Josh Allen are like the, the three quarterbacks of the future. And uh, you, you continue to see it. You know, he goes toe for t- hold for hold, toe for toe with one of the with the best in with one of the best in the league in, in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, he, you know, keeps his team in the game, you know, and end up being a field goal. Uh you know, I, there's 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 a lot of uptick for Justin Herbert, and, and you know the best is yet to come. Yeah, I agree. I think he's he's on his way up that mountain still, and and a lot of people think there's no place for him to go as far as getting better. And that guy's going to continue getting better year over year, game over game. I love everything that Justin Herbert does. Um, and and like I said, for a guy that that uh, nobody was looking at in that draft, that thought nobody thought was going to be a very special. I knew he was going to be good, and so far he's been really great. Uh, number three goes to Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 164 yards. He also had six receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown. You know, Saquon came roaring back here after a couple of seasons where he was hurt, down for the count um, for the whole season, a lot of ACL issues and whatnot. This is the Saquon Barkley that we saw in his rookie campaign. This is Saquon Barkley. This is the guy we everybody wanted to see him come back to life. Uh, Tyler took a risk on him in fantasy last year and it didn't pay off. Saquon is back. Am I right? You know, it's, it's certainly promising, you know, and it, and it's, and it's a relief for giants fans. You know, they were saying that, uh, you know, if he's going to be, you know, it's an opportunity for Saquon to get, to get to a, a level where he can be afforded to be paid premium money. And when he gets off his rookie deal, uh, 
you know, the fact that he's, you know, up and, you know, has a strong performance in his first, uh, his opening game, and then he's got Carolina this next week, you know, let's see if, let's see if the wheels keep turning for Saquon. Yeah. And I want to know if Saquon Barkley, you know, I want to see if this is a, 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 the DeBall system, you know, Mm -hmm. Ryan DeBall coming over there completely changes the dynamic for, for the giants and whatnot. I, I mean, him coming from, from the bills, a lot of people really thought he was going to be something special. He gets the Giants their first win in week one here. And, and I mean, Saquon was so effective in that game. I think Brian DeBall saw Saquon Barkley. He saw he had a weapon, and he was going to utilize that and maximize his potential, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, so to me, Brian DeBall is a genius for how he used Saquon Barkley, and I think Saquon Barkley looked tremendous this past week. Uh, number two. Goes to my boy, Justin Jefferson. Nine receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns on the day. The Vikings got him open in every way humanly possible. And we aren't talking like little openings here. We're talking massive, wide, massively wide open. Ridiculously wide open. We're talking trotting across the field with no one within 10 yards of him wide open. You know, Kevin O'Connell last year for the Rams schemed Cooper Cup open. When when teams would shut guys down, he would scheme Cooper Cup open. Uh, there were so many occasions where where I heard from Kirk Cousins last year that, that teams were dropping into cover three and all. They took away this receiver or that receiver. And Kevin O'Connell, when he would see teams change their look, Oh, we're going to move into a cover three. We're going to move into a cover two. We're going to move into Tampa two. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. When they did those things, Kevin O'Connell always managed to scheme Cooper Cup open. That's what he did. And he took Justin Jefferson this past week and did exactly what he did with Cooper Cup. It was awesome to watch. I love watching Justin Jefferson wide wide open, running around the field. He did exactly what what he did with Cooper Cup in that situation. Justin Jefferson winds up with a huge stat line, and and uh, we he does what what Justin Jefferson what we've known him to do. Uh, do you think Justin Jefferson can can break that two thousand yard barrier, Alex? Yep, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I I believe that he has all the tools necessary to get there. You know, uh, we know, and I think the secret is Kevin O'Connell. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, having that offensive coordinator that knows how to shift you know, and call audibles or plan audibles and, you know, get the guy that you want open, you know, and, and the fact that he he was able to do it with Cooper cup and got him to a super bowl. And the fact that he's got a, a top tier receiver in Justin Jefferson, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun combination to watch. You know, let's, let's see what happens in Philadelphia on Monday. Right. And, and one thing I just want to point out about that Kevin O'Connell offense, Kirk cousins was audibling at mm-hmm. the line. And I got to tell you, I was just uber rock hard. <laughs> yeah, if you, you want, you want to know what a good quarterback is able to do? He's able to audible at the line. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. Watching Kirk Cousins audible at the line had me just rock hard, ready, just soaking my jockeys. That's that's what gets me going. Kirk Cousins audibles, but <laughs> that's. So that, that's what we get. Justin Jefferson at, at number two. Last but not least, number one, we know the guy, Patrick Mahomes, man. 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns against the uh, the lowly Cardinals. 
And uh, Patrick Mahomes, we we talked about him earlier. It's Mahomes, man. And a yep. lot of people said that they didn't think he was the best quarterback in the league. Uh, a lot of people say that, you know, he's on the downturn already. And <laughs> a lot of us thought that the Chiefs were going to wind up in dead last in that division and that they weren't going to be as effective as they had effective as they have been in recent memory. Uh-uh, all wrong. We were dead ass wrong. Patrick Mahomes looked more effective than ever dominating that that uh, Cardinals team uh, on offense, man. He just looked so damn good, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, he he has he has the stat line to back it up. He's the high. He's one of the highest paid players in the in NFL history, but he has the stat lines and he has the cred to back it up. You know, and, and you know, he is the future of this franchise. Josh Allen is the future of this franchise. Uh, you know, this Justin Herbert is the future of this league. Uh, you know, and, and Patrick Mahomes is leading the charge, whether you like it or not. Yep, that's it. Absolutely. Um, oh, no, next up, we go into a segment we like to call Braytown's Forgotten Five. Braytown's Forgetful Five. And the uh, Forgetful Five is the time where we like to shit on people. And, and I'm going to <laughs> love every second of it. Uh, number five, especially this one. Number five goes to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah. 34, 195. He had a t- an interception on the day. Just a horrible day for Aaron Rodgers. He is our consensus uh, number five on the forgetful five. Yeah, I mean, we'll, you know, we're, we don't have a whole lot of Packers fans in this rotation. So uh, it's really it's really good to see, you know, that arrogant prick, you know, just sit on the sidelines and act like a baby. And, you know, it makes it, it makes us all a warm fuzzy. And, you know. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to look himself in the mirror and go, okay, I got to stop fucking around. Uh, but you know, but it's funny just to see how, how lost he is without Devonte Adams. Uh, how, you know, how he, he got sacked four times, you know, that, that doesn't help. And I also know, want to so. point out, I also want to point out in that game, Zedarius Smith, um, Aaron Rodgers went to put a, a block on Zedarius Smith in that game. And Zadarius bulldozed his ass, <laughs> just bulldozed it. It was one of the most outlandishly hilarious things. It was like Zadarius Smith was just beating up an old man. <laughs> I had so much fun watching it. I hate Aaron Rodgers, and this was one of my favorite things about uh, this last game from Sunday. But Aaron Rodgers winds up as number five. Number four, Bustin Justin Fields. He goes eight <laughs> for 121 he had two touchdowns he had a pick but the guy didn't complete a pass to a receiver a tight end until the end of the third quarter as number four on our list is uh, old Bustin Fields you know I don't think he's worth a crap I haven't thought he was worth a crap I thought he was overrated when he got drafted he's still overrated I think the guy's a bum yeah Bustin Fields Absolute bomb. I mean, when he got drafted to Chicago, when Chicago traded up to get him, we all said the exact same thing. Reach. And yep, he's reaching all right. (laughs) Yeah, he was not good this past week. And uh, the Bears are are looking really rough with that guy at the helm. Uh, Number three goes to Matt Stafford. 29 for 41, 240 yards. He had one touchdown, but three picks on the day. Uh, just a massively bad day. I understand that the Bills' defense is something really special. They have a really great mm-hmm. defense over there in Buffalo. But, man, that was not what we expect out of a Super Bowl champion caliber quarterback. 
Stafford looked rough in this game, and it is not looking very promising for the yeah. Rams moving forward currently. So Matt Stafford winds up as number three. Number two goes to old Dak Prescott, 14 for 29, 134 yards and a pick. You know, the accuracy wasn't there. The yardage wasn't there. I think that and, – and there's a reason that Dak wound up as number two, and I'm going to point out number one just because number one goes to Trey Lance. 13 for 28, 164 yards and interception. Now, there's a reason why Trey Lance is higher than Dak Prescott with uh, a better, technically a better stat line. And I'll just point this out to people. Trey Lance played all four quarters. Yep. Dak did not. <laughs> yep. Dak Prescott went out midway through the fourth. I believe Dak Prescott would have had a, a bit more yardage and probably a better accuracy rating than Trey Lance moving forward in this game uh, had Dak not gone out with his injury. But Dak is out for the next, uh, you know, eight weeks, six to eight weeks, they said. Uh, Trey Lance, he just looked like shit all around. Um, so Trey Lance tops out the forgetful five for this uh, this week. And then last but not least, before we jump into the break here, we've got our rookie rankings. Um, Tyler and I, you know, we kind of go through our rookie rankings. It's a collaboration here of all of our, our rookies. Um, you know, the first week's always a little rough. I'm going to point that out. You know, the first week's a little rough because we we kind of get an idea of which rookies we like, which rookies we don't like, but there's some guys that fly under the radar that we don't realize until week two or three. Uh, last year, you know, we didn't realize uh, uh, some of the players that that were flying up the list. Uh, Slater, for example, was was one of the guys. Creed Humphrey was our consensus MVP last year. Uh, and, and Tyler, it was, it was almost, uh, um, it was almost laughable, uh, the way that Tyler was desperately. And I mean, desperately trying to get it. So we had Micah Parsons as our, our consensus, uh, uh, you know, uh, rookie of the year last year. And, it, you know, our rookie of the year wound up being Creed Humphrey. He just, he dominated every week. He had his PFF grade kept getting be better and better. His blocking grades were getting better and better and better. It was just, it, it was too much to, to overlook when it came to Creed, Creed Humphrey. And there was nothing wrong with Micah Parsons, but sometimes, you know, well, yes, it's easy to get your judgment clouded by PFF grades. Sometimes other times it is very easy to get your judgment clouded by things like, well, the guy had, for example, we have our number 10 guy, and I'll just, I'm gonna, gonna, you know, pull the curtain back a little bit here. But our number 10 guy is Isaiah Pacheco out of Kansas City, the running back. And, and he had 14 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. Now, look, Pacheco was not horrible, but was he worth being a top 10 rookie right now? I mean, a 54.1 PFF grade says otherwise, a 56.7 rushing grade says otherwise. But he's number 10 based on the fact that Tyler had him through the roof this week. Um, I'm not entirely sold on Isaiah Pacheco. I, mm -hmm. I am not. I didn't even have him on my list. I didn't even have him in my top 20. Uh, but here we are. So Isaiah Pacheco winds up as our, our number 10 guy. Um, but I'm going to jump on the, the outside guys. First of all, uh, Dylan Parham is at number 11. Number 12 is Kyle Phillips. Number 13 is Trent McDuffie, who I actually really like a lot. Number 14 is Quay, uh, Quay Walker. Number 15, kind of an interesting one, Cole Strange. 
Cole Strange was a guy that, that you know, nobody, we all laughed when he got drafted. Cole Strange actually made it into the top 15 of our rookie rankings. Number 16, Jordan Brisker. Number 17 is Josh Williams. Number 18, Malcolm Rodriguez. Number 19, Derek Stingley Jr. And then number 20 kind of chaps my ass a little bit because I do think he should be in the top 15 is Bernard Raymond. Uh, that's one that that I had in, the, in in, I believe, my top 13. He drops all the way to 20. I don't even think Tyler was looking at him. But uh, Isaiah Pacheco, and I'm just going to say primarily because of Tyler, winds up at number 10. He had him through the, to the moon, and I don't understand why. Um, number nine, Garrett Wilson uh, winds up with a 70.6 PFF grade. He had four receptions for 52 yards. The stat line doesn't look beautiful, but the PFF grade says, hmm, that guy's interesting. He winds up with some decent blocking grades. Um, you know, the receptions weren't all there. He had eight targets on the day. But, you know, I think he really ran some good routes. I think Garrett Wilson is something special uh, over there with the New York Jets. Uh, number eight goes to Trayvon Walker, 66.2 PFF grade. Let's not forget he had a sack, two stops, and a pick on the day. Trayvon Walker was the number one overall pick in this draft. He winds yep. up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and he looked damn good uh, uh, during his, his first game in the NFL. Uh, what do you make of Trayvon Walker, Garrett Wilson, Isaiah, and Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Alex? Well, Garrett Wilson, you know, obviously, you know, coming from coming over from Ohio State, you know, seems to be you know one of the more promising prospects in the NFL. Uh, you know, 69 PFF grade for receptions, overall 70. Uh, Trayvon Walker, you know, got you know he. You know, in, in Jacksonville, you know, they need defensive players, you know, on that team. And, you know, his coverage grade was a 93.4. Yeah. So that so that's an interesting statistic um, as, you know, and the, you know, as you know, so both Trayvon Walker, I, def, I definitely believe has some upswing. You know, I believe he's worth uh, being the number one draft pick. You know, Jacksonville got themselves a stud. You know, let's just see if he continues to develop. You know, especially with Doug Peterson at the helm, you know, and not having, you know, crappy Urban Meyer, you know, kicking, kicking kickers and all that stuff. Hey, dip shit, you're going to kick today. But, uh, but, but, you know, but, but Trayvon Walker definitely has some upside in this league. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number seven goes to Dominique Robinson from the Chicago Bears. He had an 86.2 PFF grade. Yeah. Uh, that includes a 77.4 pass rush grade. The, the caveat here is while his PFF grade is high, he did only play 28 snaps. Um, I just want to point that out because I know there's going to be people out there that are going, he didn't only play 28 snaps. Yes, he only played 28 snaps. I understand that. Grade-wise, he was very effective when he was on the field. I want to see what Dominique Robinson can do with a full game's worth of snaps. I mean, for example, Trayvon Walker had about 52 snaps, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it raises the question of what is Dominique Robinson going to do when he has a full game under his belt? I want to see what happens at that point. Um, number six goes to Jordan Davis from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he had a 74.3 PFF grade. He's a real big guy. We know him. He was a giant uh, when he got drafted. Everybody was shitting their pants because he was so big. Uh, he had a 74.7 run stopping grade. Let's again, the caveat, only 23 snaps in this game. Um, but 74.3 overall grade, that run stopping grade was really something special and that's what we expect out of those big defensive linemen, especially massive men like Jordan Davis. Uh, and he had himself a pretty damn good game with the Eagles in spite of the limited uh, pitch count. 
Um, this guy wound up, this next guy, number five, winds up flying up our list because of the PFF grade. I'm not sold on him completely. Cater Kohu winds up with a 91.9 PFF grade. Let me just say the major, major caveat here, 18 total snaps. He had a 90.7 pass coverage grade, but he only played 18 snaps. We don't know what he's going to do with a full slate of snaps. Okay, He could wind up being a stud. He could wind up being a bum. We've seen that in the past. It's very early. It's way too early to tell. But as it currently stands, Cater Kuhu winds up, winds up as number five on our rookie rankings. Uh, number four, we talked about this guy. Alex, we both, uh, I, I mentioned this guy in the offseason. You like this guy a lot. I got him in fantasy. I like him a lot. Jahan Dotson, 64.7 mm-hmm. PFF grade. He had three receptions on five targets, but he had 40 yards, two touchdowns on the day. So the stat line kind of boosts him up the list. Tyler had him, if I'm not mistaken, as his, as number one. I think I had him, or Tyler had him, yeah, I think Tyler had him as his number one. You know, the, the two touchdowns are great. I, I like guys that are going to put points on the board. I like uh, red zone targets. But there was a very limited target share for Jahan Dotson here. Uh, what do you make of Jahan Dotson? Do you think he's going to continue being something special? Do you think his, his target share goes up? Where, where do you think this guy's headed? Well, I believe that you know, you know, there's only room for improvement, and there's only room for uh, there's room for upswing. You know, I I don't believe that you know he's going to plateau or anything. I think he's going to continue to climb. Um, you know, he'll he sh- you know he'll have you know an opportunity to shred that set lion secondary for sure. Uh, you know, as 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 the Washington Commanders face more difficult challenges throughout the season, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Jahan Dotson you know ends up. He could end up being uh, the guy that turns that offense into a flamethrower. Who knows? Uh, I mean, or one of the players. You know, it's not it's not a one it's not a one position thing. But uh, you know, given given the fact that you know Jahan Dotson, you know, especially for a wide receiver, his size, he's only five eleven and one hundred eighty two pounds. Uh, so, but but being a, being a smaller guy, you know, he'll definitely be a lot quicker. You know, and he's he's you know he's you know it's it, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be something really special. He's a great red zone target. He reminds me of a younger version of Adam Thielen in the way he's playing currently. I really do like Jahan Dotson a lot. Uh, number three goes to Ed Ingram, uh, the the offensive guard from the Minnesota Vikings. He had a 79.3 PFF grade. That includes an 87.4 run blocking grade. Um, his pass blocking grade wasn't the best, which is why he winds up at around number three on this list. I agree with where Ed Ingram winds up. I think he wound up at our, at our combined scores here. Uh, I thought he was one of the most effective offensive guards in all of football this last week, and he won that Viking starting job. We know the type of offense that Kevin O'Connell likes to run is pass-heavy, but we also know that he likes those big mauler-type guys in the middle um, uh, at the guard and center position, and uh, those balance, that balanced center. Garrett Bradbury was, was actually pretty serviceable this week for the Vikings. Ed Ingram looked pretty damn good. Not good in pass coverage, but very good in run blocking. I think Ed Ingram could use a little bit of work when it comes to his pass blocking, but it's okay. 79.3 PFF grade overall. I mean, nothing to sneeze at. He winds up at number three on this list. Uh, Number two goes to a guy that we were all pretty high on. I thought he was the best corner out of this draft, uh, or one of the best corners out of this draft. There were two guys I really liked. It was uh, Trent McDuffie and this guy right here, Sauce Gardner. 
uh, out of the New York yep. Jets. He had a 72.9 PFF grade. He only allowed a 42.4 QBR uh, to when passes were thrown his way. He only allowed one pass for eight yards to, to be completed. He had a 72.9 coverage grade. Wow. What a what a day for for Ahmad Sauce Gardner. He earned his his uh, name. He wanted to earn that Sauce nickname. Here we are. Gardner winds up being one of the best corners in football and our number two rookie this week. What do you think of the Sauce? Well, um, the Sauce is pretty thick and, and it tastes pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you know. I'm just taking a quick look at his, uh, his at his detailed stats. I mean, you know, the fact that he's on the New York Football Jets. I mean, you know, he's there for a reason because the Jets really, you know, had an opportunity to draft a high, you know, to draft really high because you know they they're at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, he right. was the fourth selection overall in in this year's draft. Uh, but you know, at six three and two hundred pounds, you know, the guy you know has the tools. Uh, needed to be to, to be great in this league. You know, I'm, I'm just looking to see where else he can go. I mean, well, is he the next coming of Darrell Revis? You know, are we are we going to see Sauce Island <laughs> this year? I mean, maybe. Who knows? Could be. He could be. You know, I I I really like Sauce Gardner. I think he's a really big, aggressive guy, and and he really plays the ball well. He did a great job for the Jets over there. He really did, and 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 shutting down. You know top receivers i mean he was on point he allowed one catch i mean that's that's impressive one catch mm-hmm. uh, against the ravens team who and, and really he made the ravens have a really hard time throwing the football he was one of the main reasons for that so i mean i like ahmad gardner i i i think sauce is is going to have himself a really great career right now he's damn impressive we got him as number two on our list Number one comes as kind of a surprise given the combined list. I had him at four. Tyler had him at two. Because we're so early, he winds up as number one. I'm not entirely sold on him being number one, but it is what it is. Drake London from Atlanta winds up as number one with a 71.5 PFF grade. He had five receptions for 74 yards. Not a bad start for Drake London. He should be on this list. I completely 100% agree. I think he is technically the number one receiver over there with the Atlanta Falcons. If not, he should be because he had himself a damn good game. But Drake London winds up as number one in the combined rookie rankings between Tyler and I. I, I mean, I do like London a lot. I, I, I think he's a good receiver. I've got him in fantasy. Um, and I think he's going to build on this. He's going to continue building upward. He's a different type of receiver than we're used to seeing in Atlanta. I think with some more competent quarterback play, and that's I don't think Marcus Mariota is a world beater, but I think with some more competent quarterback play, when they go out and draft a quarterback, or if Desmond Ritter comes in, I don't think if he I don't think he's the answer, but you know you could see more from Drake London on on a professional level. So yep. I mean, it's, it's something to write home about. Um, he was something special. He was one of the very bright spots for the Atlanta Falcons this week. He's going to get his end zone touches. He didn't get any touchdowns this week but he's going to get those those end zone looks they're coming for drake london and i i'm excited for him i'm totally here for it so drake london winds up as number one after week one of our rookie rankings and that is what we have for our rookie rankings so far now alex we're going to take ourselves a quick break and then after this we got some a little bit of news around the league not a ton and then we got our picks and then we're we're good to go 
for this week in the NFL. So let me go ahead and uh, take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, no. Get ready. Get 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 ready. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. We're back. We're here with the, uh, the Cannonball, Mr. Cannonball, Alex Steele. Uh, Alex, man, we have some news around the league, just some to uh, go over. Not a ton this week. Not, not a whole ton. Yep. Still, we do have some news going on, so we're going to run right through it here. First and foremost, we got to start with the news from today, kind of the elephant in the room. The Colts wide receiver, Michael Pittman, has been downgraded to out versus the Jags with a quad injury. That's got to be a brutal for uh, Michael Pittman owners in fantasy. That's also got to be <laughs> brutal for the Colts. Michael Pittman was a stud for them last week, and uh, yep. he will not be available for the Jag- or against the Jags here especially for a Colts team that lost to the Jags last year to make the playoffs. We thought that was going to be a revenge game. <laughs> I, yep. I mean, the, the, the uh, problems continue to compound uh, and it's not good. It's not doing them any favors. Yep. You know, John, that's going to, that's going to put more of the offensive burden on Jonathan Taylor. And uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, if he keeps getting them carries, it's like, it's like putting wear and tear on your car. So you know, to have to have a deficiency like this at wide receiver is uh, troublesome at best. Yeah, it's a big deal here. So we're going to see Michael Pittman out. I think Matt Ryan's going to suffer. He's going to have to figure out how to spread the ball around. Michael Pittman had himself a tremendous game last week. And so you can tell that Matt Ryan really liked throwing the ball to him. I don't know what they're going to do next, but hopefully they got the next man up mentality because they're going to need it moving into this next game. Uh, against the Jags. Next up, the Seahawks. Safety Jamal Adams, he suffered a quad injury versus the Broncos on Monday Night Football. He's undergoing season-ending surgery for that quad injury. Um, Lots of quads happening there. You'd think Kevin Nash was hanging around. But uh, (laughs) Jamal Adams goes down. You know, I like Jamal Adams a lot. I think he's a really good safety. He's a real hard-hitting kind of guy. Uh, But when it comes to Jamal Adams, I feel like that guy's hurt all the time, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to it seems to be the case. I mean, we can take a look and see uh, what his stats were uh, over multiple years. Uh, but I mean, you know, he's 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 currently on the injured reserve right now, and 
you know, if, if I, I could try to see if I could find some of his previous stat lines. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it, it does seem at this point that it is uh, quite the norm, and it's, it's, not, it's not a good time. Yeah, no, I, and, and Jamal Adams, you know, he, he always has some, some severe injuries. You know, it's not, you know, he's had four major injuries since, since 2017. Um, you know, he had an ankle sprain. He missed a few days of practice in 2017. But really, it's 2020. He, groin injury in week three's win over the Dallas Cowboys. He misses the next four, ga- four games. Uh, dislocates his finger during week two over the Patriots. He was available for the next game, but he played like shit. Um, he hurt his shoulder in the regular season finale against the 49ers and was in and out of the game after suffering injury in 2021, uh, managed to play in the wild card loss to the Rams. That was January 3rd, 2021. He, he got hurt. So he was in the 2020-21 season. Um, but, you know, I feel like he, he gets hurt more often than not. I, I think he's kind of an iffy player. I, I, you know, when he, uh, when he went where he was an iffy player when he went to the Seahawks after he got traded from the Jets. I have questions about Jamal Adams. I really do. Mm-hmm. When he left the Jets, he went to the Seahawks. He was eh. a lot of people were, were um, uh, calling for his head. And, and here we are. We've got the knee injury. He's going to be out on injury reserve for the rest of the season. He's done. Yeah, and and I, I just feel like it's a hit to the Seahawks. I, I don't think the Seahawks were, were playoff contenders as it was. No. Nope. But, uh, yeah, not by any stretch of the imagination, but this yeah. definitely does not help their case. No, and you give a guy like like that the l- amount of money that the Seahawks, let's not forget, they extended him to a very large amount of money. So, I mean, eh, I've got questions about old Jamal Adams, but he is out as it currently stands for the rest of the season. Um, Chargers, QB, Justin Herbert, he got diagnosed with a rib cartilage fracture in the game versus the Chiefs on Thursday night. He's considered day-to-day. Uh, you know, the, the Chargers, uh, Lowell, uh, I know we, we've, you know, kind of made mention of this this past Thursday. We're, we're recording on a Saturday right now, the 17th. The, the Chargers go out and they uh, take on the Chiefs. Herbert gets hurt against the Chiefs. How bad is this for the Chargers? I don't think it's as bad, though, because he's going to have 10 days to recover. So, I mean, yep. I, I think Justin Herbert's going to be just fine moving forward, don't you? Yep. I mean, as, uh, you would, you would, you div- you definitely hope that it doesn't, the injury doesn't last very long. Um, you know, it, it'll definitely, we'll definitely be able to, you know, test to see how well this kid heals from injury, uh, and how well, you know, how strong he is, and you know, in the face of adversity. You know, we talk about how Matthew Stafford, you know, for all the times he was pad Stafford, he was, he always got beat up, and he always. Uh, you know, came back, you know, he threw out a shoulder against the Cleveland Browns uh, and, you know, completed that game. So we can, so we'll see what kind of, uh, you know, intestinal fortitude uh, Justin Herbert has. I mean, I just saw, you know, I'm I'm on ESPN's website. They just showed me a video of the brutal hit that he took uh, that caused that injury. So uh, it definitely was pretty rough, but uh, we'll, we'll see if he, like you said, these day to day, uh, Chargers fans and people that have them in fantasy, they better be, uh, they better have their prayer circles, uh, uh, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be having candlelight vigils going, Oh man, please play. But that's going on. Uh, also the Steelers placed outside linebacker TJ Watt on IR with a pectoral injury. He's huge. It's at least six weeks. It's a huge loss for that Steelers mm-hmm. defense who played so well in week one, but yep. so well. 
Um, I think TJ Watt is a monstrous loss for them, but I think even without him, the Steelers defense has been playing so well. They're going to wind up blowing teams out this upcoming, these upcoming weeks. And, and I mean, they've got a, actually a pretty favorable matchup against a Patriots defense or Patriots offense. That was kind of questionable um, mm. last week. So what do you make of this TJ Watt? Obviously a huge hit for the Steelers. But yeah. can they continue to get it done without them? You know, um, indications are that they will. You know, uh, New England definitely has been on the struggle bus. You know, uh, old Mac Jones was really quiet. You know, we didn't really uh, say much about him during this show. Uh, and, you know, with good reason, you know, they didn't put up too much. They didn't put too many of, uh, impressive numbers against Miami last week. Uh, and, you know, to have to have the steel curtain come into town, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, yes, J.J. Watt is a tremendous loss. But um, I th- but I think it's uh, it's fair to say that, uh, you know, that that town has always been about defense and they're in Heinz Field, too. So we'll you know, we'll see how uh, how it all folds out. Yep, that's it. That's that's the uh, that's going to be the interesting little uh, storyline there going into that game. They have a date with the Browns after this week, which I think could actually be a little favorable situation for them, considering the Browns have Jacoby Brissett starting. But the Browns' offensive tackle Jack Conklin is questionable to play versus the Jets due to that lingering knee injury that's been affecting him since the off season. Um, that's going to be a tough loss for them because the Browns like to throw the football an awful or run the football an awful lot. And Jack Conklin is a huge part of that rushing offense. Is he not? Yep. I mean, if, if, what's his position real quick? I mean, if he's a, it's he's an offensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, without the offensive line, you don't have a running game. You know, so Kareem Hunt can, you know, run like like the Dickens and Nick Chubb can run like the Dickens. But if you don't have people up front, you know, doing the blocking and parting the Red Sea, as it were, you know, it's going to make that difficult. So uh, to, ha- to have an offensive lineman like that, uh, you know, have an injury like that, it's uh, it's definitely going it's definitely suspect. Yeah. Uh, last year, I mean, he, he was a 78.8 PFF grade. I mean, his run blocking grades have always been tremendous. 86 run blocking grade. Yep. You know, I mean, that's that's huge for a team. The year before that, 78.7. Year before that, 80.5. Year before that, he only had a 66.2. And I don't even think he was with the Browns at that particular time. He, I think he was with the Titans at that point. The the point, and he was, he was only a, a third-year guy at that point. I mean, he's with the Browns now, and their rushing schemes – they need to get Jack Conklin on the field. He hasn't played a snap yet this year, but that knee injury has been lingering. They've been talking about trying to get him back on the field. He's still just they're they're waiting and waiting and waiting. It's just going to be tougher and tougher to get him back on the field. Uh, speaking of guys in that division that are having a hard time getting back on the field, uh, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He suffered a concussion last week. He's listed as questionable this Sunday versus the Cowboys. Um you know, Joe Burrow struggled last week throwing the football effectively to good receivers. Um, and and T. Higgins is such a huge part of that offense. He showed that last year. Uh, what do you make of T. Higgins? Do you think, you know, the, do you think that the, the Bengals are going to be able to overcome him not being there? Do you think the Bengals are going to be able to beat that Bengals team that we saw last year without T. Higgins on the field? Because well, currently they have suffered. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, he T Higgins is not the number one receiver in Cincinnati. That that title belongs to Jamar Chase. Right. Uh, but that having been said, you know maybe this is an opportunity for Tyler Boyd to step into the void. Uh, but you know, but to have a, a player like T Higgins on the sidelines uh, against a, a team, uh, you know they're going up against Dallas in week two. You know I I don't think it's time to press the panic button just yet. But I mean, if this is like a week to week to week thing, as the challenges get more uh, abundant, you know, you may want to consider hovering over that panic button. Um, I think the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow will figure out a way to live without T. Higgins, uh, but it's definitely, but you know, they're going to miss him. They're going to miss him for sure. Yep. The good news for the Bengals is that they don't have a real challenge until week four against the Dolphins. I mean, next Mm -hmm. week they've got the New York Jets. And then they see the Dolphins. So he'll have a couple of weeks to recover, but they have to be ready for this Dallas Cowboys team who has, has they've shown that they have a very good defense. So we're going to find out what the uh, old Dallas Cowboys are all about here um, and see if they can slow down that passing attack of the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, also within that division, you've got the Ravens fullback Patrick Ricard. He has a calf injury. Uh, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, he has an ankle injury. And corner Marlon Humphrey, all listed as questionable uh, for that matchup versus the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, that that's going to be a, a huge, huge loss for them, having those three guys if they uh, out if they do wind up being out for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, how how especially Ricard? I would tend to think. I know Ronnie Stanley. They've been kind of playing without Ronnie Stanley for a while, but Ricard is a special fullback. He is a special kind of player. Tyler and I have talked about him a few times on this show. You know, I like Patrick Ricard a lot. I think not having all three of those guys is a big deal for this Baltimore Ravens team, don't you? Well, you you, you need you want to have as many of your top guys on the line as possible, and you know Patrick Ricard is you know a uh, you know a great fullback. You know he he has you know the ability to possibly run the ball if needed, but you know his primary responsibility is to help help with the running help with the running game and block up front. And, you know, if, if he can't plant his calf to get to get those big blocks in, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a Baltimore team whose offense was shaky at best against a New York Jets football team that, uh, you know, is splatter shot at best. You know, yeah. they th- Yeah. They had the Jets last week, but, you know, Baltimore definitely has a challenge with the Dolphins in town. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if. Uh, you know, Tua can can take advantage of that. Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one, and I I think that, to be honest with you, I mean, it, I I don't know that the Ravens can do it without having some of the at least two of those guys on the field. Um, also listed as questionable for the Ravens, and people have been waiting with bated breath to see whether or not he's going to get on the field. J.K. Dobbins, he's still listed as questionable. He could return versus the Dolphins if he's recovered from last year's torn ACL that he suffered in the preseason. Um, everybody has been awaiting the return of J.K. Dobbins. Everybody thinks that this guy is going to be a world beater, myself included. Um, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. I think he's a really good runner. And now the Ravens, here we go. They're, they're just – I feel like we're, we're on the precipice of him returning and, and coming back into the fold and all the excitement that comes with J.K. Dobbins. Um, and I know fantasy owners are, are just hoping and waiting and praying for him to come out um, what do you make of this J.K. Dobbins stuff? Do you think you see him this week, or do you think we're going to be waiting one more week for J.K.? Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put a coin in the air, and as it lands, I'm going to say he, we, we may be waiting one more week. 
uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where you, you want to make sure that you don't bring the bring the guy back prematurely because you definitely don't want to injure him. You know, when you just spent a year with him on the shelf, uh, you know, this Dolphins team definitely is a threat. Uh, you know, it's more of a threat than we realized, but I don't think it's going to be enough for, uh, you know, head coach John Harbaugh to hit the panic button and say, OK, well, let's let we'll keep JK on the shelf for one more week because then he'll be he'll have a better chance of, of a full recovery. And that's kind of where I think they're headed as well. I, I think they're going to wait for Dobbins to, to finish recovering in full before they, they throw him back out on the field. But the, the Ravens are going to have to figure something out, whether it be with the running game or the passing game, so that they can be competitive against a Dolphins team that has actually so far been very good. So we're going to see that. Um, speaking of uh, you know injuries around the league, we got to talk about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, man. There have been injuries to skill position players galore. Uh, Bucks running back Leonard Fournette, he suffers a hamstring injury. Wide receiver Julio Jones, a knee injury. Uh Wide receiver Mike Evans, a calf injury. All are questioned will play Sunday versus the Saints. All were limited in practice this week. Uh, Wide receiver Chris Godwin, he is out versus the Saints on Sunday. He suffered a hamstring injury in that last week's game. The Bucks are in trouble, and Tom Brady is in trouble. They are a sick ward over there with yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. What are they yeah. going to do if these guys aren't on the field? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, not even the GOAT can fix this situation, um, especially if that offensive line uh, is as questionable as you say. And, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they have a date with the New Orleans Saints. It's a division game. Uh, you know, so, you know, expect, uh, you know, expect the Saints to come out swinging, you know, uh, you'll get them all warmed up. I mean, I, I'm not 100 percent sold on Jameis Winston and the Saints. But at the same time, when you have a sick ward like Tampa Bay, you have an opportunity to really pull off an upset. Yeah, they, they have an opportunity to do that. The Saints have notoriously had the Bucks number at, at times when, like, we didn't expect the Saints to be able to have their number. I mean, and, and we've we've seen that in the past. Jameis kind of had their number and 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 you know wound up getting a victory over them a, a few week a few years ago, um, at a time when nobody expected the Saints to be able to beat the Bucks and they kind of spoiled Tom Brady's. Uh, you know, kind of homecoming and whatnot. It, it was just, it, it's been really rough. The Saints have given, I, I believe they've beaten the Bucks three out of the last four times that they faced them in the last two years. They, they've been mm-hmm. one of the few teams to beat the Bucks. Um, so the Saints are going to going to give them fits. One way that they're not going to give them fits is if Alvin Kamara can't get on the field, he's listed as questionable with a rib injury for mo- moving up into this week. Um, Kamara, he had himself quietly a decent game last week. Nothing to write home about, but it was decent. Do you think Alvin Kamara is going to be on the field this week? And how big of a role do you think he's going to play with that New Orleans Saints team in trying to defeat the GOAT, as everybody calls him? Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to go ahead and say that Alvin Kamara does make it onto the field. Uh, and if he does, you know, he definitely will be a major part of that Saints offense. Uh, you best believe with his running ability and with his reception ability, you know, he may be the the player to watch out for on that field. Yeah, he's he's um, he's going to be something uh, he's going to be important piece for them. 
he'll be a very important piece for them moving into that game. I'm, I, I think that's a for sure thing. Another running back that's going to be a very important piece if they're going to wind up winning that game or winning a game is the Lions running back DeAndre Swift. He's listed as questionable play versus the Commanders. He has an ankle injury. Um, also, center Frank Ragnow still listed as out. He's out versus the Commanders with a foot and groin injury um, that he's been dealing with for quite some time. So Ragnow and Swift, I, I mean, if Swift goes out, I think you, your Detroit Lions are in deep doo-doo going up against uh, the Commanders this upcoming week. Well, the the offensive player of you know the the top offensive player on the Detroit Lions line was DeAndre Swift. He was the hero uh, in Detroit. Uh, you know, he got you know most of the yards that we were looking for. If he's out, then you know you can kiss a good portion of that Lions offense goodbye. And uh, you know, it does not help that we have we don't have a, our top center. Uh, and you know we we also have a couple you know, have a, we have a cornerback that's questionable we have uh, Jonah Jackson is doubtful uh, you know Detroit is going to be running you know the more that we look at this if Swift makes it onto the field we have a chance if not um, I think it's going to be ugly yeah it's going to be an ugly game and the Commanders I think are going to take control of that situation so uh, the Commanders right now kind of have the the high ground so to speak. I, I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, around that division with the commanders is also the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, we've already talked about Dak Prescott. He injured his hand versus the Bucks on Sunday night football. He's out for eight weeks. Also with the Cowboys, you got uh, wide receiver Michael Gallup, guard Connor, Connor McGovern, safety J-Ron Curse. Uh, Gallup with a knee injury, McGovern with an ankle injury, Curse with a knee injury. They're all listed as out versus the Bengals. Uh, Gallup was out last week. We were hoping he was going to return this week. Curse, we saw him get hurt in that game last week against the Bucks. Um, McGovern's been hurt for a minute. It's just, it's a rough go for the Cowboys. Uh, I think they're about to get pounded by the Bengals this week, especially without those guys on the field. Don't you? Well, um, it's, it's all going to come down to the defense. You know, can Micah Parsons, uh, replicate his, his effort against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, but again, one guy can't do all the work. Uh, so, you know, the Cowboys are going to be relying heavily on that defense. And of course, Dak's down and out for the count. So uh, just take a look. I think Cincinnati has their bounce back game. Joe Cool becomes Joe Cool again. You know, even without T. Higgins, they'll have the, the weapons necessary to take down the Cowboys. I think there's one guy that Dallas is going to be looking to. And, and his name is simply Ezekiel Elliott. That is the guy. They're going to be looking for RB1. They want him to become that guy that he was a couple of years ago and have himself a game, and that's who they're going to be looking to to blow up. So we're going to see that. Uh, running back that went down this past week, we talked about it a little bit, Elijah Mitchell. He suffers a knee injury versus the Bears down at that swamp in Soldier Field. He's out at least eight weeks. And the 49ers also have a uh, George Kittle, their tight end, listed as questionable for Sunday's matchup versus the Seahawks. Uh, you know, being without those two key pieces, I mean, granted, Jeffrey Wilson's going to be able to take over. I know they got another tight end, Tyler Croft, over there who has the ability to stay healthy, unlike George Kittle. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, th there's questions there. And, and if Trey Lance is on the field and he sands two weapons, I think that causes a lot more problems than a lot of people want to understand. They got to get Jimmy G back on the field. They've got to get him doing what he's doing and they got to start getting away from all of this 
handoff to the receiver bullshit. I think it's all been figured out at this point. Uh, it was fun while it lasted, but I think that little that little hoopla game, that little trick play game, is is kind of over with. And I don't think it was as very effective during that game. And it showed by the score; they only put ten points on a very weak Bears team. The the 49ers need to make a quarterback change here or they need to start playing a more pro-style form of offense. They need to get back to what they originally brought them to the show and quit getting all fancy with what they were doing uh, at near the end of last season with these handoffs to Debo and Ayuk. I just think it's silly at this point. They need to go back to the old school way of doing things because sometimes that old school way is better. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not wrong there. You know, uh, you know, the fact that they have these injured players again, it's not going to help matters. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did say that George Kittle looked "quote unquote" awesome in his return to a limited practice on Friday. So uh, we may yet see George Kittle on the field, uh, but is that really going to help anything if we have Trey Lance? And uh, it, you know, they got to get Jimmy G out there, like you said. So. Uh, the the 49ers have a chance. Uh, they, they they do have a chance against the Seahawks because again the, the Seahawks are you know beleaguered in a league of their own, and we're gonna see how you know how big Geno Smith's britches really are. But uh, you know to have these injuries definitely doesn't help. Right. And uh, next up we've got the uh, well with the 49ers. I just want to point out they did sign their punter Mitch Wishnowski to a four year thirteen million dollar extension. Uh, Wishnowski's very good punter, um, and I think that's a really good price for a punter, um, a, a top punter, mind you. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, $3 million a year for a damn good punter. Um, so I, I think that is a smart move on their end, at least. Um, next up, the Cardinals wide receiver Rondale Moore listed as out versus the Raiders with a hamstring injury. That one's going to kind of hamper them a little bit. I, I think Rondale yep. Moore is a special young player. He's a speedster. Um, I like him a lot. And, uh, yeah, he's going to wind up being out versus the Raiders. Do you think that really hurts the, the Arizona Cardinals um, a lot more than, than uh, they're letting on here, I guess? I mean, it's it's not – it's definitely a sore spot, you know, uh, especially given the fact that – given the fact about his youth. Uh, I mean, you know, so, you know Kyler Murray is going to need a weapon. You know, a, a, you know, a weapon or two and to lose Rondell Moore, you know, does not help matters. Is it hopeless? Not necessarily, uh, but it is definitely a cause for concern, uh, especially when you're going up against the Vegas Raiders and Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, you better hope your defense, uh, you know, is ready for that man. Uh, and, you know, and so I think that game's going to be kind of even. Uh, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, definitely not not helpful to have Rondell Moore not in the lineup. Yeah, I think I think losing Rondell Moore is a a horrible thing uh, for them to be honest with you because they already don't have uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. That's going right. to be you know a pretty rough go. They do have um, uh, Hollywood Brown still over there, Hollywood Butterfingers Brown, who I'm still not entirely sold on, but it is what it is. Uh, last but not least, the Texans center Justin Britt is listing out for Sunday's game versus the Broncos due to personal reasons. You know, I think that affects the Texans a lot more than people realize. Uh, Lovey Smith goes with a, a very run-heavy type offense. Justin Britt's usually good for that. But not only that, I mean, Davis Mills is going to be pressured up the middle quite a bit. They're going to be bringing blitzes up the middle. 
Justin Britt is very, very good. It's going to be a tough loss for the Texans not having him in the lineup. But, um, you know, we'll see how they get it done uh, moving forward in this yep. upcoming game. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, so, was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say absolutely, you know, but, you know, and don't forget, Russ Wilson's coming off a rough loss against the Seattle Seahawks, his old team. Uh, I think this is the, the if you're gonna if you're gonna have a game where you get pissed off and you know, and ball out, this is it because you know Houston is still kind of a dumpster fire, uh, you know. But you know Denver Broncos' defense can, is really gonna have some fun, you know, now that Justin Britt is out. But really, uh, this is Russell Wilson's time to shine. Yeah, he's gonna come out firing. I said the Bears earlier. I meant the Broncos. But um, yeah, and that is our news around the league. And, uh, Alex, we got one more thing we got to yep. take care of here, and that is our weekly predictions around the uh, the league for this week. Uh, so, so far, you and uh, you and Andrew off to a little bit of a rough start. We, we got the, the, you know, our buddy Ray Collins didn't participate because he's a curmudgeon, cranky old man. But we, got, <laughs> we did get other people to participate, and that would be you and Andrew and and. We love the fact that you guys are participating in this. We're super excited about it. Um, yep. And I've got uh, I've got all of the picks for uh, you guys, and I've got Tyler's picks all lined up. So you and Andrew are five ten and one after last week. Ouch! That one has got to chap your ass. Tyler and I both wound up ten five and one. So the the complete opposite. Um, so we are uh, on point right now. Uh, we do have everybody's picks were in for the Thursday night games. Uh, Tyler and I both picked the Chargers. You guys po- both picked the Chiefs. You and you and Andrew did. So you and Andrew were right in that aspect. We were yep. wrong. Uh, and obviously it's based on a cumulative score. So we will be keeping track week over week. But with that, um, Alex, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Here are our predictions. For week two in the NFL, starting off with uh, the Patriots and the Steelers, 1 o'clock p.m. tomorrow. Uh, I'm taking the Steelers here. Tyler takes the Steelers. Um, and I'm looking down the list here. It looks like you took the Patriots. I did. And it you know, like I, I, you took the Steelers as well. Um, I'm, prob- I'm probably going to eat it, uh, g- given the fact that, you know, the, the, that steel curtain's coming to, come into town. or uh, And then Mac Jones, uh, you know, is going to have a little problem with uh you know that Steelers defense but uh, keep in mind this was a pick that was made uh before it was known just how good that Steelers defense was against the Cincinnati Bengals last week so uh, I'm going to stick with it but uh I'm probably going to be eating crow for that one (laughs) next up we've got the Panthers and the Giants it looks like um I took the Giants in this situation I believe uh let me I'm looking down my list here yeah, I took the Giants in this situation. Tyler also took the Giants in this situation. Um, and then uh, I'm looking down. It looks like Andrew took the Panthers, and you took the Panthers as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I like the Giants in this situation because of the fact that uh, Brian DeBall seems to be bringing a different aspect to everything. Uh he really is, has kind of, in a way, turned around that Giants team. And I understand it's just one week and it's week one. But for them to go out and beat the Titans the way they did, so, you know, I feel really good about the Giants right now. So I'm rolling with the Giants. And it's, it's, it's a solid pick. Um, you know, I'm, picking, I'm going with the Panthers. It's a, it's a little close to call. 
you know, a Baker Mayfield, you know, definitely is not uh, the subpar quarterback he showed himself to be in week one. That said, uh, you know, is he going to make more use of, run, of DJ Moore? Is he is Christian McCaffrey going to get, you know, going to get up and remember who he was? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a little too early to see if if uh, Baker Mayfield's going to peter out in uh, in Carolina. Uh, this is his opportunity to prove his critics wrong. Um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a close game. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a very fun one. I I agree, it will be a close one. Uh, next up, we got the Jets and the Browns. It's a clean sweep for the Browns. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, Browns, Browns, Browns all day long. I just don't think the Jets are able to handle the Cleveland Browns at this point. Uh, They're not able to handle anybody. It's a total dumpster fire out there. I mean, Zach Wilson's not the guy, and Joe Flacco's not the guy. They don't have a quarterback. You know, they got sauce, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I I think the Browns are going to run all over them. You're going to see a whole other game where the Browns' run game goes rampant. So, Browns across the board for everybody. Next up, we've got the Colts and the Jags. Uh... I took the Colts. Tyler took the Colts. I think you took the Colts, right? No. Yes, I did. You yep, took I, the Colts. I Andrew, did take. I did take the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, but Andrew goes with the Jags here. Kind of a, an interesting pick. I understand where it's coming from, though, because the Jags did beat the Colts to eliminate them from the playoffs last year. So yep. you might be looking at that. Andrew might be onto something there, but everybody else, I think we're talking, thinking Jonathan Taylor, the Colts, and we're going to see Matt Ryan firing back. I'm going with the Colts here as well. Uh, moving forward, Tyler went with the Colts as it was. Uh, next up, we got the Dolphins and the Ravens. Uh, Tyler takes the Ravens here. Uh, I went ahead and I took the Dolphins. Looks like you took the Dolphins as well. And uh, it looks like Andrew took the Ravens. Um you know, I, I think Tyler is is still kind of glazed over with a little bit of that homerism. I understand that, that the Dolphins' uh, victory last week wasn't as definitive as it should have been, and, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, I really do think that they're the better team in this situation. I, I do think that the Ravens are struggling on offense. There's a lot of questions there. I, yep. I feel really comfortable going with the Dolphins, don't you? Well, especially since, you know, whether or not we're going to see J.K. Dobbins on the field and the fact that they have three top players on the shelf, uh, the Ravens are really going to have a handful to deal with uh, when Miami comes to town. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Right. Uh, absolutely. I agree. Um, it, it'll be it'll be an interesting situation. But, uh, yeah, the the um, Bucks wind up. Next up, we got the Bucks and we got the Saints. Uh, the Bucks get picked by Tyler. Uh, I went with the Saints here. I was feeling pretty good. Andrew went with the Bucks, and it looks like you went with the Saints as well. I think you and I are kind of on the same page here. Well, especially especially since the Tampa Bay is now a sick ward. You know, I, I kind of feel uh, validated by my pick. Uh, plus, you know, like you said, you know, the Saints have had the the, Tampa, the Buccaneers' number on more than one occasion. Whether it was Drew Brees at the helm when they absolutely spanked them. You know, Jameis Winston had a couple of victories against him, so it, it's it's an even it's an even keel as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we got to remember Sean Payton's not there anymore, but this offensive coordinator or his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator both stayed on. They're basically running the same scheme. I mean, this is the same team running the same scheme. Uh, I'm going with the Saints here. I think they're going to beat the hell out of the Bucks. I think that the the Saints pass rush is going to beat on Tom Brady. I think yep. that the, the 
Offensive line for the Bucks is in shambles right now. There's a lot of questions over there for the Bucks currently. I don't think this is going to be as good as everybody thinks it is for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year as it currently stands, unless they can get Evans and Fournette back on the field. Uh, yep. Took the Bucks here. I took. Uh, I took the Saints. You took the Saints. Andrew took the Bucks. Uh, next up, we got the Commanders and the Lions. I went and I took the Commanders in this one. Uh, I, I really do believe in the Commanders here. Andrew took the Lions. You took the Lions. Um, and Tyler took the Commanders here. So, you know, I, I think that the Lions are in deep trouble, especially if they don't have Patrick Swift on the field. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do think that those three receiver sets are going to get a hold of that Lions secondary. What say you? Yeah, uh, we're definitely in trouble if DeAndre Swift does not get out there. And like I said before, I'll stand by this. You know, it's the Lions game to lose. Uh, I mean, you know, if I, I don't even think we should even make excuses for DeAndre Swift. Like, oh, if Swift was on the field, we would have had a much better. No, have some nuts. Figure out your figure out your scheme. Get the points that you need to get and hold off those guys. That said, as you said, Carson Wentz, you know, is playing very well. You know, he has, you know, that triple threat with, with Gary Terry and, 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 and the others. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, they're definitely not going to be pushovers. You know, I've, I've definitely seen the light there. But, uh, you know, but, but, you know, have some balls, Detroit, and, and show, show these people that you guys aren't one-trick ponies and, you know, that, we're, that you're worth the money that they're spending on you. Yeah. Um, and next up, we've got the Niners and the Seahawks. You, me, and Tyler all took the Niners. Andrew takes the Seahawks here. Andrew may be the smart one, though. The 49ers looked like shit last week. Um, let's be real. Uh, I, I think the Niners may find themselves in a sort of a panic right now with Trey Lance not being as good as, as everybody thought. I, I think they're they're in deep shit right now, don't you? Get Jimmy G back on the field, and and things will start to get a little bit better. If you get George Kittle on the field, you'll have a better chance as well. Uh, you know, it may not be a very high scoring game. You know, like we said, G- Geno Smith is not is no Russell Wilson, and he's no you know world beater by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, you know, it, but if, if if Lance shits the bed, then you know Seattle, you know Andrew again may be onto something. Right. Uh, next up, we got the Falcons and the Rams. It's a clean sweep from everybody. Everybody yeah. took the Rams in this game. We think it's a turnaround game for them. Look, the Falcons aren't anything to write home about. We understand that. But the Rams weren't anything to write home about last week either. But everybody takes the Rams. Everybody thinks it's going to be a turnaround game. Rams all day. You yeah. think that Stafford turns it on now? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, he has to. You know, um, I think it's one of those It's a situation where it's it's. I would not say it's catered to him, but it's definitely he definitely has an opportunity to get that luster back. And they have an opportunity to figure out an offensive scheme uh, that'll make them not so one dimensional. Cooper Cup is obviously going to be the biggest threat out there. But, you know, now is the time to really start tinkering with things and trying to figure out what works and doesn't work. Exactly. Uh, next up, we got the Cardinals and the Raiders. You and Andrew took the cards. Tyler and I took the Raiders. You know, I thought the Cardinals looked really rough last week. You guys, this is going to be a turnaround game. I don't think it's going to be. I really think the Cardinals and the Raiders are. It's going to be Raiders all day. I think Devontae Adams is going to have himself another big game. Yep. 
we're talking. He'll, he will be the X factor for sure. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, definitely has, you know, an opportunity uh, to show improvement, but will he? I doubt it. Yeah, and but you, you did take the Cardinals in this game, yep. so I mean, you, they're gonna they're gonna bring it back, huh? I think you know what I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble a little bit here. You know, uh, let's let's see let's see me let's see Kyler Murray put his money where his mouth is. Hope he didn't study any blank tapes this week. You know, actually studied. You know, <laughs> put it all together. Put it all together. Yep. Uh, next up, we got Texans and Broncos. Uh, Tyler goes with the Broncos. I go with the Broncos. Andrew goes with the Broncos. And uh, you, my friend, go with the Broncos. It's a clean yep. sweep across the board. Yep. Broncos all day. Now, I think we can agree Russ Wilson's getting ready to, to come out there. He's pissed now. He's not happy about how week one went against Seattle. He got embarrassed in where he used to be. That's an embarrassing situation. Now I think he's back. He's ready to start start kicking some ass and being the Russ Wilson we've known and we've grown with over the years. If he does not, he is over the hill. Oh, yeah. If he does not show up and show out like we thought he was going to do in week one, he's officially over the hill. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's done if, if he can't turn it on you know, this upcoming week. I, I think there's a lot of trouble there. You have uh, no excuse to lose to the, the dumpster fire that's the Houston Texans. Yeah, I agree. And you're at home. Yeah, at home. <laughs> no less. Uh, next up, we've got the... Um, the oh, oh, I lost, lost my spot here. The Bengals and the Cowboys. Um, I went with the Bengals here. I, I, I think uh, that's without a doubt. Andrew goes with the Cowboys in this mm. situation. You go with the Bengals. Tyler goes with the Bengals. Um, yeah. You know, I think the Bengals... It, the Cowboys are going to be, that offense is going to be how it was run when Ezekiel Elliott was in his, uh, uh, his prime. You know, when, and he's still technically in his prime, but when he was in that heyday, when he first showed up in the league, that, that offense is going to run through Zeke. Um, and I think it's also going to run through Tony Pollard. It's going to be run heavy. You're going to see it's going to be run heavy. Um, but the Cowboys are going to have a hard time against a very tough Bengals defense. They're going to have a hard time against a very tough Bengals team. I'm going Bengals. Yeah, yeah. It, it it all comes down to the Cowboys defense. Can they hold off that offensive onslaught from Joe Cool and uh, you know uh, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd? Is T Higgins going to be on the field? Uh, you know, and you know, is the, are the running backs and C and Cincy going to be able to turn it up? You know, I think they will. Uh, I, I think Joe Joe Burrow has a bounce back week, but you know. That Cowboys defense is going to be the big test, and yes, if the offense, if the run-heavy offense can figure out a way to get past that Bengals defense, we may see a game. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, next up, we got the Bears and the Packers. Um, you know, mm. I, I almost feel like this is like a. Uh, uh, I feel like it's going to be a one-sided game, but then at the same time, after seeing what we saw from the Packers, I've got questions now. Yeah. I think the Packers, though, it was Packers across the board for everybody. Everybody took the Packers here. But, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be Aaron Rodgers coming out and just toying with him a little bit, still saying, yeah, I still fucking own you like he did last time. 
and, and of course, he's going to have the refs on his side because it's a primetime game. So let's, let's look for the flags. Yep. Let's be honest here. Yep, that's that's how you know Aaron Rodgers is in town. But uh, Rodgers uh, on Sunday night football primetime game. I'm going Packers. I, I I do think, like you said, the refs will be on the on the Packers side. Um, they always are. They love Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the few hearts of the NFL. And, and there's no way Justin Fields is going to you know stand up to to even. But you know Justin Fields is not up to par in this league. So you know he. The fact that they were able to put up 19 points on San Fran is because you know San Fran couldn't score points. Uh, not the case here. I think the the Bears get stomped out. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be a beating. I'm going Packers here. Looks like everybody else's as well. Uh, next up, we've got the Bills and the Titans Monday Night Football. This is one of those times where I'm going to be really annoyed with the NFL because mm-hmm. of the double whammy. You know, Monday night game. I just, I hate that because they overlap and it just doesn't make sense. You know, it, it, it's just bothersome, to be honest. It, it's just bothersome. If they really wanted to make me watch more football, they should just make one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast so that way they don't overlap and you can still have a double header like you want on prime time. Quit doing this bullshit where you're, you have a 7-15 and an 8-30 game. It's a complete and total pain in the ass. And there, I'll be as a Vikings fan. There's no way in fuck I'm going to be watching the Titans versus the Bills, um, unless you know it's the beginning of that game. You know, it's, it's right just, at the very start. Makes, um, but Titans and Bills, everybody takes uh, the Bills here across the board. Uh, looks like everybody's going with the Bills. Uh, you know, I think the Buffalo Bills, without a doubt, are the better team than the Titans right now. Uh, I think the Titans struggled so heavily against the Giants last week that. We're going to be talking about that loss for a minute here, and I think they're going to be real. Titans are going to get off to an 0-2 start here, and the Buffalo Bills are just going to lay waste to them the way that the Buffalo Bills normally do. It's the Josh Allen show, people. Get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed. Not to mention the Titans' defense has not looked like the defense that we're accustomed to seeing. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's the Josh Allen show. Bills all day. And then... The surprise pick of the week, though, is the Vikings and the Eagles. Everybody goes with the Vikings, except for me. I went with the Eagles in this one. Um, Interesting. You know, here's the thing. It's in Philly, and um, I think the Vikings notoriously play poorly in Philly. Uh, and I do think that the Eagles, they even though they, they was 38-35 to 35, um, against the, the Lions, I do think the Eagles took the foot off the gas in, in the second half of that game. If you recall, they were up, I believe, 38-14 at one point. Yep. I really do think that the the Philadelphia Eagles possess the pizzazz and the talent on that on that team to win. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm rooting to be wrong. I'm yep. <laughs> dead-ass wrong here. But I do believe that Minnesota Vikings are going to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. And most people have predicted that, uh, other than the fellas on this show, um, which which outnumber me 3-1, to one, most people have predicted that the Eagles will beat the Vikings. I'm, I'm surprised that, and, and the Eagles are favored, I'm surprised that, that uh, you guys went with the Vikings. And, and I understand why, because the Vikings look good in week one. I get it. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm good. And they beat a very tough Packers defense. You got to remember that Aaron Rodgers did not have his weapons on the field. 
And we got to remember that Jalen Hurts has some very good weapons on that offensive side of the ball. And so, very good defensive uh, pieces in Darius Slay. I don't know if Slay's going to be able to shut down Justin Jefferson. We're going to find out. Yep. It's one It's one thing for, uh, Eagles, uh, you know, for, for, for Devontae Smith to get shut down uh, by uh, Jeff Okuda. Uh, here are some questions that need to be answered. Number one, does Devontae Smith have a turnaround game this week? Because he got covered by Jeff Okuda in Detroit and got, had zero catches and only had four targets. Uh, so um, I'm wondering if you know Devontae Smith is going to be a factor. Uh, number two, do you have the, the capability to stop Jalen Hurts when he's on the move? Uh, I mean, because it's one thing for the Lions to part like the Red Sea and have J- and have Jalen Hurts waltz into the end zone. It's going to be quite a different story with the Vikings, and you know, with you know, with your defense, with Harrison Smith, with uh, you know, and with Kirk Cousins playing the way he's playing, and with the new offense with with Mike McConnell, you know, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting game. Well, well Kevin O'Connell, he, he does a lot of things that. Uh, I just love about this offense. I, I love the things that he's able to accomplish. I, I love the fact that Kevin O'Connell has been able to, to uh, scheme Justin Jefferson open in ways that, that we never thought were, were you know, possible. I really think he's something special as a head coach. I really do think that, and, and you know, I was so pissed off when Jim Harbaugh came into town and we didn't get Jim Harbaugh. I was so angry about that. And yep. now it really looks like Kevin O'Connell is the guy. Like, it looks like he is the guy that, that you know, I, I, I didn't know I wanted. You know, the, the guy <laughs> was we needed. So many people were butthurt about the, the Jim Harbaugh thing, myself included. Now I find myself over here going, man, this actually could be the guy. I'm, I'm quite impressed. So Kevin O'Connell coming in, I'm, I'm happy with him as an offensive uh, coach. Um, an offensive uh, uh, head coach, and, and it's it's amazing to see an offense that just keeps attacking the way that the Vikings offense does. Now that said, I, I think the Eagles right now, even though like we we even though it's the Lions, and even though it's the Lions defense, they still dropped thirty eight on. Them. You know, and that's a big number. That's a big number. Jalen Hurts didn't look great at the beginning, but he continued onward and he looked very good. AJ Brown looked spectacular. And you know who's going to be lined up against A.J. Brown is going to be Patrick Peterson, who almost got torched by Christian Watson, or Watkins, or Watson, or whatever his name is, last week for a deep touchdown. I mean, had that kid caught that ball, because it was in his hands, had he caught that ball, that's a touchdown, and we're having a completely different conversation about that football game. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 it's going to be fun to watch, for sure. Yep, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, but, Alex, that's our predictions around the league um and uh as it stands right now we got you and andrew playing catch up you're about five games back but i'm sure you guys are going to get right back on that horse tyler and i are in right now um for for the championship there but i'm glad i get to get you guys involved in this good time and um with that i want to give a quick couple quick shout outs first and foremost time massage iytmassage.com uh check it out you can get yourself the best massage around here in the metro detroit area i highly recommend you book an appointment with my my wonderful wife amanda 
at IYTMassage.com. People have raved about her massages. Swedish deep tissue. She uses CBD oil. The whole deal. Um, so check it out. You can check her out. It's Your Time uh, Massage on Facebook, or you can check her out at IYTMassage.com. Also, FaceKickApparel.com. Our boy Sean Stoffmeyer over there at Facebook Apparel. Um, him and his wife do tremendous work. Um, they do all your custom hats, hoodies, uh, pants, shirts, anything you want. He pick it, he sticks it over at FacebookApparel.com. I highly recommend it. We've had some wonderful T-shirts come out of there for all these different shows, for very charitable events, um, including one for our, our good buddy over at I Didn't Think You Could Hear Us, our, our boy Birdie. Um and, and his wonderful wife, Holly, they, they had shirts made for that, um, for the trigeminal uh, neuralgia benefit show for Holly. I mean, it was just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Sean does amazing work. I highly recommend it. Check it out, facekickthrill.com. You can place your order, and uh, he takes good care of his customers. He puts his heart and soul into his work. I absolutely 100% the work he does on all that. Yep, he is an absolute grinder, day to day. Oh, yeah, every single day he's putting out orders. Also, a uh, shout-out to Patch, uh, Patch Miracle Photography. Um, Andrew Langland, our boy at Patch Miracle Photography, that guy is amazing. He does all kinds of photos. If you're looking for uh, photos for your kids, if you're looking for wedding, uh, a wedding photographer, he's your guy. If you're looking for uh, uh, graduation pictures, if you're looking for a, a sexy boudoir shoot for that someone special out there, check it out at patch at patchmiraclephotography.com. He is awesome. I can't get over how good his pictures are and their professional quality pictures. They're wonderful. I mean, the guy does amazing work. We loved his his work so much uh, on our wedding photos that we actually got one blown up and put on our wall in our living room because it's so awesome. Um he just does amazing work, and he puts his heart and soul into it, Andrew and his wife, Chantel. And really, they, they did our wedding photos. They were our wedding photographers. And, dude, I got to tell you, they made our day even more special, and, and I didn't think that was possible. They made our day so, so wonderful, um, and they, they helped out in any way possible. It's like they completely understood where we were at and what we needed and, and the things we needed help with. And it was just amazing. The most professional, wonderful people. I can't get over how good they are. Patch medical photography. We got to have a cigar with them afterwards, which is kind of nice. Yep. So that's always a good time. And uh, Alex, I got to give a shout out to, to your stuff over there at uh, Condor's Gaming Corner. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we shifted our uh, voice acting series uh, to a YouTube upload-based uh, f- format. We started that this week. Uh, we're going to be doing that. Uh, we're recording. Our plan is to record every Tuesday and have that uploaded to YouTube by Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, you know, my brother and I, we just take games and we read the dialogue off them and give them funny voices, you know. And occasionally you'll also see me streaming uh, some of the top games uh, in the, uh, you know, out there. You know, I just streamed the Call of Duty beta uh, on Friday night, you know, and there may be some more uh, coming that way, uh, you know, in, in the near future. So you'll, you'll see me, you'll, you'll see me on Twitch. You'll see me on YouTube. You'll see me on Facebook gaming. Uh, you know, so just, you know, come check it out, you know, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, shouting it out a week after week here on the outside blitz. Absolutely. We, we love pointing out, uh, you know, all the different businesses that our, our buddies are a part of and, and all the different, uh, 
dreams and passions and, and whatever else and, and you know there there is a market out there for those types of things there's also a market out there for a play skill that they can really up to well he does yep, yep. um his his uh gaming channel you guys gaming channels actually entertain me most of the time when i'm i'm either at work or i'm at home i check them out I check out the recordings and whatnot, or I'm on there live with you guys sometimes just making ob- obnoxious and vulgar, vulgar comments. And <laughs> it's a fun time, <laughs> which I think adds to the fun, but it, you know, other people may not think that, but most people think it adds to the fun. <laughs> now, now look, it, you guys are, are all like killing it so much that it, it's actually making me want to start my own stream in time. You know, obviously currently I'm, I'm in a situation where I, you know, have, two little babies that, that are making that a difficult process and that's okay. You know, that's mm-hmm. dad, but eventually you might see me on that screen, but you guys are doing so well and, and you guys are, are so inspired students and, and people are out there just picking out a damn cloud. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I want to be a part of that, that community as well. And, and it, it just looks like a hell of a time. You guys make it look like a hell of a time. Um, I've checked out the videos. I've watched your streams. They're all very fun. The people on there are very fun. I think you guys are just absolutely awesome with the way uh, y'all handle your your stuff over there. I just I love it over there. Condor's Gaming Corner, uh, Big Willie Dubs Gaming, the most fun. Um, also, I, you know, I just want to point out, you guys have done some games that like I haven't like I've always wanted to to try certain games. The Paper Mario series is one of those ones that you did voice acting on. Yep. I, I've always wanted to try the the um, Paper Mario games. And seeing you guys play, though, I was like, ah, I'm not so sure about them. I'm not sure. And then I saw them and I'm like, OK, these games <laughs> are actually pretty fucking sweet. I want to I, re- I really want to try them because they remind me so much. Honestly, Paper Mario reminds me so much of Super Mario RPG. So. Yep. Like being able to check out those games and and uh, see you guys play those games and and see how good they are, that's what I find a lot of times a good stream is there for is to see, hey man, that game actually looks like fun. I really want to try it. So yep. uh, I definitely recommend uh, checking out Condor's Gaming Corner, Big Willie Doves Gaming. Um, just a lot of fun, and eventually I'll have my stream going, and we'll all just be a bunch of uh, streamers out there, which will be a great time. But folks, that is our show we got, absolutely uh, our predictions and whatnot for week two going in and uh you know we got football coming up tomorrow i hope everybody has a wonderful weekend a wonderful football sunday and uh, a tremendous week two i'm fired up for it i'm sad the vikings aren't playing on sunday but at least we're getting the monday night stuff out of the way so i don't have to worry about it moving forward right yep absolutely yeah. That's that's what I'm happy about. So I mean, I won't be able to watch this, the the Monday night game sitting at home on my couch, but that's fine. I'll watch it on Monday, but uh, on Monday uh, live from my phone, I guess. But <laughs> that's what it'll be. Uh, but folks, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next week. Hopefully, maybe Tyler will be back next week. I don't know. Yeah, I'm hoping. You know, fingers crossed. You know, who knows? I might have to sub a third time. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to figure that out, but. We'll see you guys next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>